0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Ray Kemeny, psychic consultant, offering private, corporate, and media readings. Ray Kemeny, confidentiality guaranteed. I'm busy all
1: with the steamboats, It's your goblins and what I know. Come at the grim line, making a sense. The smell of
0: death is on the And not when the cold wind blows. no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a haunting week on Pod Cemetery with 2001's The Others and 2008's Lake Mungo. There's only a seven-year difference between these two movies, and the others just barely makes that classic cutoff. hmm But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
2: Horror trivia.
0: Give me what you got.
2: A woman searches for her missing sister in New York City and finds a satanic cult that may be responsible for her disappearance in this 1943 film.
0: Yeah, Jesus, everything you said there sounded just... Dreadfully familiar. She's looking for her missing sister. Oh, oh. Yeah, and then they like there's like the dude that guilts them at the end, like they win with the power of guilt. (laughs) Don't you feel bad for being Satanists? Yes. You reject Jesus Christ, and then they're like, oh man. (laughs) And that's like how the movie ends. Yes. What was that movie? What was it called? I don't know. I couldn't tell you what it's called. What's it called?
2: The Seventh Victim.
0: Thank you. Okay. I did remember that, though. All right, Kelsey. What novella is 1961's The Innocents based on? The Turn of the Screw. By Henry James, 1898. That is correct.
2: I had to keep telling myself, do not say turning.
0: Yes. Oh, man. Remember The Turning? I
2: do remember The Such Turning. a terrible
0: adaptation. <laughs> Not a fan. The Innocents, however, very good. Yes. That does actually lead us into our next movie, which many people compare to The Innocents. And because maybe you'll it see is, why.
2: it's kind of considered a, a remake, but I don't think it should be.
0: It's not. People say it's influenced by Turn of the Screw. And I can see why. But we'll get into it a little bit more uh, as we talk about the rest of the movie. That is The Others from 2001, our classic film, written and directed by Alejandro Amenabar, starring Nicole Kidman, Christopher Eccleston, and Fiona LaFlanagan, which is just an awesome name and fun to say. (laughs) Alejandro Amenabar is the writer and director of Thesis. I don't remember if we mentioned this in the episode that we covered on Thesis. We did cover that movie, so if you're curious... About this director.
2: It's great. Yeah. It's a great movie.
0: But he's the same guy who co-wrote and directed *Abre Los Ojos. Or Open Your Eyes. Or Vanilla Sky, the original source for Vanilla, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla
2: Sky is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep.
0: Both Thesis and *Abre Los Ojos he co-wrote with Mateo Gill, But not this one. He wrote on his own. Although it is uh, supposedly based off of... An episode of a British television series called Armchair Theater from 1970 called The Others. Apparently, just the main beats, the main plot points are the same. But this is obviously full length. There's a lot more stuff going on. But otherwise, the twist and all of that is the same thing. Uh, this is actually Amenabar's first English film. He also composed and orchestrated the music for it. Uh, so he... Very, very heavily involved in this one. Interestingly, this is the last collaboration between Nicole Kidman and her now ex-husband, Tom Cruise. Their divorce was announced the week this movie came out. (laughs) Yeah, so he is an executive producer on this film. What is The Others about?
2: A woman and her children believe their house is haunted in the 1940s.
0: Yep, there's there's something else living there in their house.
2: Something is not at rest in this house.
0: That is correct. It is available to watch for free if you have a subscription to either Cinemax or DirecTV. You can rent it for $4 on most services or buy it for $16 to $17 on most services, which is a pretty high price, honestly. You don't normally see movies that highly priced that aren't, like, brand new. This one's 20 years old. Uh, But apparently, you can buy it for $5 on AMC On Demand. I don't know if I believe that, but the services that tell you all this stuff were saying it was $5. Should people watch The Others?
2: I think yes. If you have not seen it, you should.
0: I would probably more highly recommend it. I think especially if you liked The Innocence. It's not as good, but it's that sort of movie.
2: Yeah, I just... I like it a lot more now, certainly, than the first time I saw
0: it. Oh, did you feel it was cheap? Yes. I can understand that.
2: When I was 13 years old and I saw this movie.
0: I mean, we're going to talk about the twist in this movie basically from Jump Street. So if you plan on watching it. Watch it before we talk and about it. And you
2: somehow don't know the ending I already. did.
0: I had never seen it before, and I already knew the twist a long time ago. So keep that in mind. Well, But right away, we'll be talking about what the twist is.
2: I saw it in theaters, and me and my mom saw it, and I was furious.
0: This is one of those movies that I think works better if you know ahead of time. Yes. I wrote down... It seems like this is one of those cases where the movie is compelling because you already know the twist, not in spite of it. I also then wrote down, I'm worried that the scene that reveals the twist will be not very compelling and overly melodramatic. And I will tell you right now, I was right. (laughs) But if you can go in prepared for that, I I would recommend this movie. Yes. Actually.
2: I think it's interesting. And I think it's... When you know what everything means, it's cool.
0: You can appreciate it a little bit more.
2: But when you don't know what it all means and you're trying to put it together, there are plot points that simply do not make sense if you don't know what the end is. The husband.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: I uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was like,
0: how do you explain this if you don't yeah. know what's happening here?
2: Distinctly remember when he came out of the fog, I was like, well, I'll get to it when we get there. How about that?
0: Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2001's The Others.
3: You told your brother that there was someone else in the room. There
4: was.
5: Sometimes the world of the dead
3: gets mixed up with the world
4: of the living. This is the father. This is the mother. This is the old woman. And that's the number of times I've seen them. What do you want? They say this house is
1: theirs. Nicole Kidman.
4: Tell them! The Others. Where is my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter.
1: Rated PG thirteen in
0: theaters Friday, August ten. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does The Others begin? I gotta say, plural titles—it's really hard because it's a singular movie. I keep wanting to say "How do The Others?" but it's "How does The Others begin?"
2: Yes. Do you know where the Jersey Channel Islands are?
0: Yeah, so the Channel Islands, this is important to know. I actually wrote down, important to note, Uh, the Channel Islands are an archipelago in between England and mainland Europe, France specifically. Jersey is one of those Channel Islands, the Bailiwick of Jersey, it's called. And it's one of only two what they call British Crown Dependencies I'm not going to say, I'm not all up on the politics of all of that, so please forgive me. But it's like, you know, how Puerto Rico is part of the United States, but they're not a state. They don't have any representation or anything like that. So it is British. It's a dependency of the British crown, like a lot of things were. Those islands were the only part, they're going to talk about this, they're the only part of British territory that was ever... Actually occupied by Nazi Germany during World War II. And that's really important because they'll talk about it and they will give you no context.
2: Yeah, if you don't know all that history, it's just kind of like, I kind of understand what they're talking about. Yeah. I thought Britain was never taken over by the Nazis, but I can guess what happened.
0: Before I looked it up, I wouldn't have even been able to tell you that Jersey wasn't part of mainland Britain.
2: I knew it was an island. They say that that several
0: times. Well, yeah, from the movie, but I mean, like, I didn't have prior knowledge of any of that.
2: Well, okay, so, it starts with Kidman telling her children the story of how God made the Earth. Now, children,
3: are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. This story started many thousands of years ago, but it was all over in just seven days. All that long, long time ago, none of the things we can see now, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the animals and plants, not a single one existed. Only God existed. And so only he could have created them. And he did.
2: It is very important that Kidman is a very religious woman. Yes. For the plot. And she wakes up in bed screaming. (laughs) And I swear there's a movie that stole this, and I can't think of what it is. Isn't there another movie that starts with the woman waking up screaming and then it, like... Yes.
0: I have no idea what movie that is, but yes. 100%. I don't know if this is from that, or that is from this, but it is not unique.
2: But, like, she wakes up screaming and then it, like goes back in time, you know, like it reverts to I think maybe of Mother. Or it's later in the morning. Maybe I'm thinking of Mother. Mother
0: does start with the yeah. But there there's there's some other movie that where a woman s- screams in bed and then like her day starts and it's like nothing happened. Mhm. That's what we get here. She wakes up kind of screaming.
2: Yes. And if you know what happened, <laughs> then yeah. you understand why she wakes up screaming. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do we want to we say We can it?
0: talk about it. we said. So it's after the jump, so let's. So
2: this is right after she has killed her children and killed herself.
0: Yes, she has smothered her children with a pillow and shot herself in the face with a shotgun. The same shotgun she'll be wielding several times throughout this movie.
2: Yeah. And then she wakes up. Now the problem with my theory, that that's right after that, uh-huh. because that would make sense. The problem with that theory is that she will say later, then I woke up and the children were laughing and playing with the pillows as if nothing happened. And that's not what they're doing here.
0: Yeah. I think it's just when she goes to sleep now, <laughs> she wakes up screaming. <laughs> One of those things where you just wake up screaming. <laughs> It also explains why really, really early on she talks about how all the servants of the household just disappear one day.
2: Well, okay, you'd think that, but then, okay, this is one of the issues. Uh, There are things that are not communicated well in this film. Uh Uh-huh. So, you'd think that, right? You'd think, well, of course they left. You fucking killed yourself, right? But then later, when she's talking to her husband and she begs him for forgiveness... She explains the servants left in the middle of the night when they found out you were dead. They just left me and they knew I couldn't leave the house w- without the children. No,
0: I think that's just an assumption she makes because she found out that he died and she immediately kills her two children and herself. And that coincides with the time where she no longer saw the servants. So she assumes it's because they found out that he
2: died. No, but she's asking for forgiveness because she knows in her heart of hearts that she killed her children, especially at the point where she sees her husband. Yeah, because the implication is that she understands that he is a ghost.
0: Yeah, maybe, but that doesn't have anything to do with the servants disappearing.
2: Well, but if she's asking him for forgiveness for the murder of her children and herself, then she would understand that the, the 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 the
0: servants would have left because of that. I don't think she understands anything. I just think she has a feeling like she needs forgiveness.
2: Well, no, because later she will say God would in his in his infinite mercy reversed it and made it not happen.
0: Yeah, That's but what she, she says. Right, but she so blocks she, it out. Right, I don't but think, she's
2: aware of what she did. She just doesn't want to acknowledge I it. I think
0: aware is a very strong word. She travels throughout almost all of this movie without any knowledge of the fact that she killed her kids. They have a knowledge that she did something bad. She has a knowledge that she did something bad. She knows she needs to ask for forgiveness. She doesn't fully realize what she did until she comes to terms with the fact that she is dead. And that hasn't happened yet at the time her husband comes home. I'm saying I don't think it's a plot hole. I think because all they can see are dead people when they die, they stopped seeing the living servants. And that's why the mailman never came when she put that letter in the mail. When the the new servants show up, she's like, oh, you guys showed up really quickly. I didn't expect you. She goes out to the mail and realizes that her letter is still there. That's because either... The mail stopped being taken, which I doubt, or the letter doesn't exist in reality, only in the ghost world. It's been five days sh- since she put that out there. So it's been at least five days since she killed her children that the beginning of this movie starts. That's a lot of stuff, but yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> These three servants show up. For me, they are the most interesting characters of the film.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's very intriguing, their little subplot.
2: Yes. And it's interesting because the first time I saw the film, I picked up pretty quickly that they were dead. And that was before the gravestones.
0: Yes. I wrote down, I think, so there's that gravestone moment. I said, the scene with Mr. Tuttle and Mrs. Mills discussing the fog stopping Grace from leaving to ask the village priest to bless the house discussing when to reveal everything to her, like they have some secret knowledge, and then they cover up the gravestones with the leaves. I wrote down that it might lead someone who doesn't know the twist to think that the servants are ghosts, and at this point, it's definitive knowledge. Oh, that's what's going on in this movie. She's being haunted by her own servants. But not exactly.
2: Right. And, like, I thought, okay, there's something, there's obviously something going on with them. Are they dead... But then why on earth are the uh, why is the family still being haunted by other things? Like are they are they doing that to just fuck with them for some reason? Yeah. Because for some reason I just couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that Nicole Kidman and her kids were dead.
0: I love that concept though that the living are haunted by the dead while the dead think they're being haunted by the living.
2: I love, I love it as well. I love that concept. I think that is such a good concept. I And I think that, again, when you know it, when mm-hmm. you know it, you can pay attention to all those things and all those things that are leading to that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know that, these things seem random and these things don't add up. You're sitting there frustrated because you're just trying to put all these cogs together that just do not work until it is finally explained to you. No, they're dead. Right,
0: but you already feel maybe angry or upset about all the stuff that didn't make sense, and that doesn't make up for it. You don't right. go back in your mind over all the individual moments. You just have a general sense of this doesn't make any sense. Yes. So the twist at the end doesn't really repair that, which is why I think I think it's more compelling if you know the twist.
2: Yes, I agree. It almost feels like it's made for people who have already seen it. Like to point to like point and laugh at people as they don't understand what's going on. And that sucks. Mm. Like, it's an in-joke that you don't get until after you've seen it.
0: I think it's a reach to put that kind of agency on the filmmakers.
2: Oh, I agree. I do not I do not think that that was their intent at okay, all. Okay, yeah. But that's what the outcome was. Got
0: it. Fair enough. Can I just say, isn't it funny how you can make a movie all about how the entire house is dark and no light can be let in, and yet you can still manage to tell what's going on in any given scene. <laughs> that this isn't Midnighters or Wakewood or any of the other recent movies that we watched that thought that darkness was compelling. When it's not that there's something hidden in the dark, it's just that I can't see what the action that's supposed to be happening on scene. This movie explicitly is like, no light! And yet I can still see everything.
2: Yes, that is astounding.
0: I love it. <sighs> Whoever did the lighting in this movie was really smart. Realized that, yes, we want to make it dark, but you still need to make out what's happening.
2: Yes. Agreed. Whoever the lighting technician is, they know how to create mood, and they know how to create tension. Yeah. And yet, everything is lit up.
0: Yep. Why is it that the whole house is dark? We find out pretty early on.
2: Her children have a photosensitivity to light. I have to assume that's real.
0: Xeroderma pigmentosum.
2: No, I mean I have to assume that was real and real in the in the film. Yes,
0: cuz they don't give you any reason to believe otherwise. But the odds that it would be both of them is ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and it's just it's just very difficult to like you're left wondering is the mother doing Munchausen by proxy? Yeah. You know,
0: or did it just come about when she killed them? And it's just this weird sort of instinct to keep them inside and not going outside, just like the fog keeps them from leaving the property. Mm-hmm. You know, is it did it only start when after they died? Exactly, I think that's very possible because what this disease actually does is it gives you an extreme sensitivity to sunlight, meaning you can get sunburned in a couple minutes. You get uh, high amounts of blistering or freckling, things like that, as a result to direct exposure to sun. It can lead to seizures, increased risk of skin or brain cancer, but the light itself doesn't kill you directly. So I don't think this is really about them having this specific disease. I think it's just this weird motherly instinct that she has where she can't let them go outside. So this whole concept of them being allergic to light is made up.
2: But at the same time, I'm left to believe that it really is true because she very specifically when she's talking to her husband, discusses with him, you left me here because this was a prison and you couldn't take it.
0: Yeah. And but then he I
2: went crazy and killed myself and killed the kids because I couldn't take it either. Yeah, that's
0: fair. That's fair. But I don't think... The fact that she tells him anything can be taken is a testament because she does think it's real, and he doesn't really respond to anything.
2: No, I do legitimately think that they do have some sort of terrible disease with the light.
0: Or that her Munchausen by proxy is real.
2: Yes. Yeah. I think it's one of the two. But again, we don't get to know because when they're dead, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's their that's their way of making it okay for them to be in the light. And that's also their way of me- letting them know that this is real. You really are dead. Yeah. So I am left to believe that it is real. But still, it's very I don't hard think to it, believe. I
0: don't think it really matters, but it is an open question that doesn't have an answer.
2: Yes. So, and that's actually what you just said, the crux of the film. There are no answers in life. We are not here to provide any answers. We are only here to show you what if. What if this is what happens?
0: Isn't it interesting? There's kind of like a running theme between these two movies. And I I think it's probably likely, because these are both haunting movies, that both movies are kind of about coming to terms with grief. And I think that's kind of the nature of many haunting movies. But both of these movies are, I, I, I realize.
2: Yes. Both of them are very much about acceptance and moving on. hmm But oh, we'll get to Lake Mungo because I have qualms with their thesis. Anyway,
0: mm-hmm.
2: back to this movie. So we meet these three people, but I remember clearly – very clearly, the the subplot with them and the whole thing with Lydia, and How that she was mute, yeah, and that really, really stuck with me because of her reason for why she's mute. Do you remember?
0: is it because she realized she was dead? Yes, yeah,
2: the last thing she said was, "Where are we, yeah." And that struck a chord with me at thirteen years old. <laughs> that is fucked. <laughs> yes, I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> like because you kind of you feel so bad for Lydia. She's got such a small role, but she does a lot with her role. Uh huh. Like the she's faces, very meek
0: and yeah.
2: The faces she gives, she has so much knowledge that she's not willing to give. And when Nicole Kidman like is trying to get her to talk, and she almost talks. I'm almost mad that the other chick steps in and like stops her because I want to hear what Lydia has to say. Yeah.
0: Shit. the more I think about it, the more I think that, no, they really did just leave in the middle of the night. Because why would the ghost servants wait five days to show up? Wouldn't they have been there the moment they died? Shit. Yeah. Another thing that's like, huh. What is the real answer? A question with no answer.
2: Mm-hmm. That's why it would make sense that it happened right then. Because that's right when they show up.
0: Yeah. Huh. That whole five days thing. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe maybe that's the problem. She said, oh, I left it in the mailbox five days ago and the mailman hasn't come to pick it up yet.
2: No, I really do think that the the when they found out that their master... Wasn't coming back because he died in the war. Uh-huh. They knew homegirl's gonna go crazy, and they She's were like,
0: "She's gonna go broke,"
2: and they were like, "Fuck this shit," and yeah. they left. Uh-huh. And she lasted five days. So yeah, and e- immediately as they're walking up, so it's this, wo- it's these two women and this man, and the woman says, "I wonder where so and so is," and the guy says, "I imagine they're dead, like all the rest," and it's just. It's just immediate. When you know what the story is, you pick up on all these little things and how they are super aware oh, yeah. of everything that's going on with Nicole Kidman and her kids. Yeah. But how they very gently take ease her in to do it. Yeah,
0: I mean, Mrs. Mills is kind of the ringleader of these three, and she's like, there's nothing to be gained from the shock, right? Like, we either tell her and she doesn't believe – Or we reveal to her somehow and she goes nuts again as a ghost and things are bad. So it's best just to ease her into this and let her come to the realization on her own.
2: Their excuse for not having any electricity in the house is that the Nazis kept turning it off so
0: they just got rid of it. Yeah, they managed to get by without it.
2: They lock every door behind them so that the kids never accidentally go into a room that has light in it. Which becomes important in that slowly the doors become unlocked and left unopened, yeah. and nobody knows why.
0: And then eventually, yeah.
2: Also, there is a piano that very specifically Nicole Kidman doesn't like anybody to touch
0: because she gets migraines.
2: Because she gets migraines, so she says. Mm-hmm. But the the new owners of the house are one of them happens to be a pianist, and you think that's going to be way bigger of a deal. It really only comes up, like, once.
0: Yeah, it's not. You hear the music play once. But there's also the factor of Mrs. Mills keeps giving her her migraine pills. Again, if you don't know what the twist is, you might think, oh, is she drugging her? No, no, no. She's just giving her her medication. Yep. Just continuing life is normal, but it's one more thing for Nicole Kidman to be wary of.
2: Yes. So Mrs. Mills is with the kids and the little boy asks her, are the are the old servants ever coming back? And she goes, no, they're not coming back. <laughs> and then the older sister goes, just like daddy isn't coming back. Uh-huh. Or was it the kid who said just like daddy isn't I coming back? Because later she'll say, I told you he was coming back. So maybe it's the opposite.
0: But it seems like the older sister, Anne, is the realist. And Nicholas is the the baby.
2: Absolutely. Nicholas is the baby. And Anne is so in tune with what really happened and so willing to accept things. and And
0: again, she's the one that knows her mom did something terrible, lost her mind and hurt them in some way.
2: So she becomes aware of the family that has moved into the house.
0: Yeah. Thinking that they're...
2: Thinking that they're ghosts
0: Maybe She just knows that Hey there's a kid here now What's the kid's name? Victor Victor (laughs) I talk to him And like it's normal You know
2: Mm -hmm. But they do that In ghost movies all the time Where kids talk to ghosts And they're just like It's no big deal Yeah
0: uh (laughs) But then the parents find out And they're like Stop lying (laughs) This happens in this movie too
2: Yes it does But yeah And Nicholas refuses to accept What his mother did now, you might be thinking, oh, maybe it's an acceptance thing. They have to accept that they're dead. They have to they have to understand what happened. No, nope,
0: they're stuck there forever.
2: Yeah, none of that matters.
0: Nope. I think it's more that they need to come to terms with the fact that they are dead and that they didn't go to heaven. They didn't go to hell. Because they are very, very religious, like we mentioned earlier on, or at least Nicole Kidman is. and makes a point of educating her children in religion and the different kinds of afterlife that there are, including a hell for children, which they challenge her on.
2: Yeah, they say, y- you only go there if you're not baptized. So you both would have lied to the point of denying
3: Christ. Oh, you'd have saved your heads being chopped off by the Romans, that's true. But what would have happened afterwards? When? In the next life. The one that's waiting for us after we die. Where would you have gone? Oh. (gasps) Where, Nicholas?
4: To the children's limbo.
3: What is the children's limbo, Anne? One of
4: the four hells. Which are? (gasps) Me, 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 me. No, no, no. Let him answer. Which are? There's the hell where the damned go. Then there's purgatory. Yes. Yeah. And the bosom of Abraham yeah. where the Jess go in limbo, where children go. At the
3: centre of the earth. Where it's very, very hot. That's where children go who tell lies, but they don't just go there for a few days. Oh no. No, they're damned. Forever. And do you remember the story about Justice and Pasta? Children who don't tell the truth end up in limbo.
4: That's what you say. But I read the other day that Limbo's only for children who haven't been baptized. And I have.
0: But anyway, it still supports this point. The fact that, oh yeah, she is baptized and she still doesn't go to heaven. They're just stuck there. Maybe there is no God.
4: Right.
2: But with the husband, there is this, and with the fog, there is obviously something in charge. There is obviously something controlling this.
0: Or it's just the nature of death that when you die, obviously, yes, I'm one of the people that would ask the question, well, who determines how big the fog ring is? Where does it stop? Does the afterlife know where property lines are? Like stuff like that. I would be the first one to ask that. But I don't think that necessarily because your movie has those elements that your movie is saying that there is something that's setting those standards.
2: I do not think they're saying that at all because yeah. I think their whole point is there are no answers. Yeah, yeah. Because the
0: movie is certainly not going to give them to you. Yeah. They just need to come to terms with the fact that this is what reality is and this is how we're going to live from now on.
2: And I, you know, but like the husband scene still frustrates me, not for the same reason. When I saw it in the film, when I saw it in the theater, the husband scene made me want to get up and walk out.
0: It doesn't make any sense unless you know what's going on.
2: Yeah, he just pops up out of fucking nowhere. They do this whole scene where you think, like, okay, this is gonna go somewhere. This is where the movie's headed now. Yeah. No, then he just fucking leaves.
0: Yeah, well, he disappears. Right. And and he
2: specifically says, I just needed to say goodbye before I went back to the front.
0: Because he died on the front and you're stuck where you died.
2: Why then did he get to come back and say goodbye? Because
0: of the strong emotional connection he had to his family and home. And that's why he only comes back for a short period of time.
2: I thought, see, they framed it in such a way because when she walks out into the fog... Mrs Mills says the fog won't let her get very far uh-huh, and
0: the fog gives her her husband.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so someone is in charge, someone is saying, "No, no, no, you stay here. We'll yeah. give you something to numb you for a little yeah. bit."
0: Mm-hmm. And But what? And what their what is their objective? What's yeah. their motivation? We don't know. Again, exactly. it's not a movie about who's controlling the afterlife or why the afterlife is this way. It's a movie about this family. And what their experience is.
2: Which is why, for me, the most scary and fucked up moment is Lydia's line that she Uh doesn't even get to say.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, well, I mean, we have the husband, Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston, in this weird middle part hairdo that he has- just so bizarre. He looks That's so. That's what you want
2: to comment on. <laughs> he looks
0: so weird. I
2: think he looks fine.
0: I just have a very particular image of what Christopher Eccleston looks like. I mean, yeah, we know him from from uh, the first new season of Doctor Who, and he was in Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. And but like, I he just it made his face look different. I don't know if he was wearing a prosthetic on his nose or anything like that, but that hairdo just stood out to me as being bizarre on his face or whatever. But yeah, he's in this movie.
2: Yeah, she explains at some point, like, how unbearable her life was. I mean, I think she's just trying to justify why she did what she did.
0: Yeah. She's very uptight. <laughs> and and just struggling to stay together.
2: Yes. And she very much does not like... Okay, so it's funny... Her daughter has a great line, and if you're religious, this might offend you, so take note. So she has this whole thing, like, I don't like fantasy. The children like to make up stories sometimes, Uh but of course they are just children. That's what they do. But I don't want you to encourage it talking to the servants, right? Uh And then later on... The daughter will act like she knows everything about ghosts. Ghosts only walk around in chains and
0: white sheets. Yes, she says she read it in a book, which is probably *Christmas Carol* or something.
2: Yes, and the woman says, "Don't believe everything you read." And she goes, "That's what my mom says." But my mom also says I have to believe everything Isn't in the Bible. That
0: great. Yes, I love that.
2: Yes,
4: perhaps that ghost. We lived in this house before. Don't be stupid, I've already told you. Ghosts go about in white sheets and carry chains and go...
3: Now, Anne, why do you make up such stories?
4: I don't. I read them in books.
3: Well, you shouldn't believe everything that you read in books.
4: That's what our mother says. She says that all this stuff about ghosts is rubbish. And then she expects us to believe everything written in the Bible. And don't you believe it? Believe some things. But for example, I don't believe that God made the world in seven days. And I don't believe that Noah got all those animals into one boat. Or the Holy Spirit is a dove. No, I don't believe that either. Doves are anything but holy. They pull on our windows.
2: <laughs> and their their disbelief in the Bible, like, is also further shown later when these two children in this story they're reading are killed because they admit that they are followers of Jesus. Yeah. And they laugh, and she asks them, why are you laughing? And she, they explain, well, because why wouldn't they just lie? Yeah. To not be killed.
0: Oh, a well, little children who denounce Jesus go to a special hell or whatever, you know.
2: Yes. The first indication we get that the house is haunted is when...
0: Reverse haunted.
2: Yes. (laughs) Is when Nicole Kidman thinks she hears a child screaming and crying. Yeah. She runs to her children, she runs to Nicholas first, and he's like, I'm not crying, I'm fine. I would tell
0: you if I was crying. Yeah. Yes, Nicholas, we know you would.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And she runs to her daughter, Anne, and Anne's like, I'm not crying.
0: I've been here reading this whole time.
2: It's Victor who's been crying. Yeah. And she's like, what? Who's Victor? And she's like, I keep telling him to leave me alone and let me study.
0: Well, also, like, he's she's studying right now as a punishment for, quote-unquote, lying about Victor. So she really doesn't want to tell her mom what the truth is about Victor. And she's like, you told me I couldn't lie, and now you're telling me I'm lying because I'm not talking about him. What do you want?
2: Oh, that's later, though. But oh, okay. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Mm. That, yeah, later, <laughs> she'll get mad at her for not giving her information. She's like, you told me not to say it. Uh But this is where she explains that his father is a pianist. They say, this is their house now and we have to get out. Nicole Kidman turns around. She's really upset because she can't figure out what's happening. And her daughter is claiming that it's a ghost. She turns and sees that the door behind her is open and unlocked.
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And it very obviously couldn't be her children. They don't have keys.
0: Yeah, also, so, why would they?
2: Exactly. So she runs and starts screaming at the mute girl, probably because she knows she can't fucking answer back.
0: Well, she she yells at Mrs. Mills and then tells Mrs. Mills to tell her. Oh, no, that's no, the that's pounding. No, that's later. That's the pounding. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> but Mrs. Mills comes to her defense and is like, she doesn't have keys. Yes. And so Nicole Kidman's like, oh, so then it's your fault. <laughs>
2: Yes, but of course, she's like, I wasn't in here, so it couldn't have been me. Yeah,
0: you saw, I was in the kitchen.
2: Yes, but that night, Nicholas will wake up to his sister talking to someone.
0: Yeah, what a creepy scene.
2: Yes, I love this scene. Uh We get to see it all from this kid Nicholas's perspective.
0: Like, it's really tight in on him, yeah.
2: Which makes it feel... Like it is a ghost. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Because you're seeing it from this little kid's perspective. All we can hear is this creepy voice coming from the Uh shadows that keeps opening up the curtains. Yeah. And uh, that's why she's yelling at him. She's telling him to close the curtains.
0: And very similar to the true story that The Conjuring 2 is based on. And we see it in The Conjuring 2. People are like, oh, that's just a little girl changing her voice. It's a similar sort of thing here where Nicholas accuses his sister of just using a different voice.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: But she's like, he says this is his room, and I'm telling him that, no, it is our room. He <laughs>
2: <laughs> keeps saying that this is his bed, but it's our bed. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just these kids, like, fighting, uh-huh. but one's dead and one's not. And, and you w- don't know which one is which. Exactly. And I love it. She's just like, come out so my stupid brother can see you. Here,
0: touch him. And Nicholas is freaking out. Yes,
2: Nicholas (laughs) is terrified. He refuses to
0: look. He refuses to talk. He refuses to interact. But he knows his sister just said, touch my little brother. (laughs) Yes.
2: This scene is very well done. Uh The scene's the kids.
0: You got the camera tied in on Nicholas. And then this hand comes in and touches him. And he freaks.
2: Yes. He... Starts screaming, which causes Nicole Kidman to run inside. And this is when she puts her daughter on restriction for like several days in a row until she will ask for forgiveness.
0: Yeah. And And Mrs. Mills is like, Are you sure this is worth it? Can't you let her go? No. She needs to accept that what she did is wrong and she needs to ask for forgiveness.
2: And she keeps saying, I refuse to ask for forgiveness for something I didn't do. Which, good on you, kid. Yeah. uh Good on you. Of course, it's impossible to ever know if somebody actually did something. Yeah. But good on you for sticking to your guns. (laughs) It's what I would do if someone ever accused me of doing something I didn't do. So, Nicole Kidman is reaching the end of her rope. She has servants. She should be able to go out, at least out to town. But why can't she go anywhere? The fog? There's this crazy fog that just won't let up. Uh Uh-huh. And she's going nuts because she really needs to get the fuck out of this house. Now she keeps hearing someone running across the floor upstairs. And and she she thinks it's Lydia. She assumes it's Lydia. And she's so mad that she goes to Mrs. Mills and is like, tell her to stop that. It is going to give me a migraine. And then the next time we see Mrs. Mills... She's,
0: she's outside talking to Lydia, talking telling to her Lydia. to stop running upstairs.
2: <laughs> and it's still running upstairs. Uh-huh.
0: And well, we assume at the time, if you don't know what's going on, that she's telling Lydia that. They might just be conversing about, Up, oh, she's starting to hear stuff upstairs.
2: Uh, well, but Lydia very specifically goes like... Yeah. Uh-huh. No, like I'm, I'm not running around upstairs. Mm-hmm. And if this was a, a legitimate everyday ghost horror... This would be a great moment Yeah And it is still good It It's just in an, a different way Because it's not actually a ghost Yeah So that I like that I like that you played with it mm-hmm. And everything It's just not fun to To figure it out the first time So yeah So that's when she decides To ask her daughter Can you give me some more information And her daughter's like <laughs> What the fuck <laughs> But she does tell her they're everywhere. They're all around us. And suddenly Nicole Kidman starts to hear voices. Yeah. And starts to hear people. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And I think this is fascinating. Yeah. I think it is fascinating to think that ghosts are not aware of the living.
0: Yeah. Or at least ghosts that haven't accepted. And But even still, Mrs. Mills says-
2: Only sometimes. Only
0: sometimes. Yep. I love that. Yeah.
2: I think that is a very interesting idea, Mm -hmm. that you are living just kind of in your own plane. Yeah. And you still live, like you still eat, you still sleep, you still do your everyday shit. You're just not on the same plane as living people.
0: Yeah, you say eat, but- we don't see, we'd hear a lot of talking about eating, but we don't no, see we a we see lot. the kids we see We see Anne, I think, at one point take one bite of one thing. The rest of the movie, there's food in front of them, but they never put anything into their mouth.
2: But we certainly do see the daughter eat something.
0: Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, yeah, which is confusing, but.
2: I don't you know. think it's confusing. I think you are just in your own dimension.
0: No, I, I see where you're coming from, and I agree with you. I just think it's an interesting touch that. You don't see them eat or drink anything except for that one moment, which kind of bothers me.
2: <sighs> I think you also see Nicole Kidman drink tea. And I think you see Mrs. Mills drink no, tea. No, they
0: talk about it. But again, I, I and they serve it. It's just like with The Haunting of Bly Manor, which, turn of the screw, you know? They talk about these things. They make food. They have food in front of them, but you never actually see them eat. <laughs> But yes, you do see Anne eat once. And it's like, ah, <laughs> which is it? So she shows her a picture
2: she has drawn. She explains that they say the house is theirs. They're going to take all the curtains down. And she shows her an old woman. She says, she's the one who scares me. Victor says she's a witch. Yeah. Then she says, and her breath smells. And there's a musical sting.
4: She really scares me. It's as if she's not looking at you, but she can see you. And she's always around saying come. With me. No, Anne, don't lie to me. Honestly, mummy. And she asked me things. Victor told me she's a witch. What did she ask you? Things. The breast smells.
0: You're supposed to think there's this creepy old lady ghost that's breathing on the daughter, I think.
2: Maybe. Or maybe it's uh, that it's supposed to be from Nicole Kidman's perspective, like it's become real. Except that we don't see Nicole Kidman's face here. We see the little girl's face, which makes it very confusing about where the musical sting is supposed to be landing on.
0: I also wish that, because I didn't know that she was, this old lady is a psychic. I didn't know that. I thought, and I think it's much more compelling, that the reason the kids see her more often, or at least Anne sees her more often... It's because she's the closest to death.
2: You guessed that. And I was like, no.
0: <laughs> and it, it kind of bums me out that it's like, no, she's a psychic. Then it could have been fucking anyone. Why did you get rid of that awesome concept? Did it have to be the old woman who was the psychic?
2: Yeah, because she had to be scary like a witch.
0: Yeah. and But she didn't have to be the one that was possessed. It could have been anyone again. Well,
2: she would be the psychic. She'd be the most in tune with that world.
0: Or the closest to death, I'm telling you. It could have worked that way, but then the movie takes that away from you.
2: Take it away from you, honey. I don't know if that took it away from anybody else. But my point was, Mm -hmm. this movie isn't, it's not great at communicating things. That musical stinger should not have been on her face after she said, her breath smells. (laughs) If it's meant to make Nicole Kidman feel like, oh, my God, is this real? She can Mm. smell her breath. Yeah. Then it should be on Nicole Kidman's face and she should be shocked.
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's doing something different, though. I don't think that's what it's doing. I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but you mentioned early on that there was something wrong with the movie, that it felt wrong, that the pacing was weird or something like that. This is kind of getting into my thoughts as a whole about the movie, but if the exact same movie was made 40 years prior, like The Innocence was, 40 years exactly, we'd be losing our minds at how good this movie was. That doesn't necessarily mean something like that is great now, but it is great then. And I think that's why it feels so strange, because it's a mid-century film in a turn-of-the-century skin. So I don't think that... They're using, oh, Nicole Kidman is the stand-in for the audience and her realizing is the same as us realizing. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's the movie going, didn't that sound creepy, audience? You're creeped out, so I'm going to play this music right now. Which is something that a movie from the turn of the century would absolutely do. A more modern movie would do it, like you say, where the audience surrogate is the one... That needs to realize it. And that's when the music cue needs to happen. And so, yes, it it would be weird that we're not looking at Nicole Kidman right now. But I don't think that's what the movie's doing. I think the movie's cutting out the middleman like a more mid-century movie would. And saying, scary thing, music sting. And the kid's the one who said it. So that's the one we see. It's very simple, basic filmmaking. And the way you make a haunted movie from the 50s or 60s, you know? I guess. Like The Innocents or like... The Haunting, or you know, like all of those sort of mid-century haunting movies, it it very much feels like that. Walking down dark corridors with a candle, like in The Haunting, and yeah, that's what it feels like.
2: Really quickly, when she does, when she brings up, like she expects us to believe everything in the Bible, she says something I don't remember what it is, but she says, and she expects us to believe this about it, about the Bible too. And Nicholas goes. No, I don't believe that either.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Miss Mills asks them, do you believe that? Mrs. Mills is talking to the two of them about something else. It's not necessarily about the Bible in general, but it's something specific. I think it's about the Bible. (laughs) No, it is religious in nature, but not about the Bible in general. It's about a specific (laughs) belief. And she's like, I don't believe that's true. And she goes, oh, What about you, Nicholas? Do you believe it's true? And he's like, "Mm, no, I don't believe it either.
4: (laughs) Well, the Holy Spirit is a dove. No, I don't believe that either. Doves are anything but holy. They poo on our windows.
2: (laughs) At one point, Nicole Kidman is going through some shit in the attic and finds... Or the junk
0: room, I think is what it is, yeah.
2: And finds a book of death portraits. Yeah. Which... I had never heard the reasoning for it the way that they put it in this film. I was always told it was just a way to say goodbye. It was
0: often the only photograph that you would have of that person.
2: That's not what she says in the movie. I know. <laughs> in the movie, she says...
3: They're not asleep, ma'am. They're dead. It is a book of the dead. In the last century, I believe they used to take photographs of the dead in the hopes that their souls would go on living through the portraits. (sighs) They're even group portraits. Hmm. (gasps) And children. Oh, it's macabre. How could these people be so
0: superstitious?
3: Grief over the death of a loved one can lead people to do the strangest thing.
0: But yes, in in reality, it's the 1800s, and you don't have a lot of opportunities to get your photograph taken, so you don't have a lot of photographs of people. So if you died, they would take a photograph of you, make it look like you were just sitting down or sleeping, and, you know, oh, now I have a picture of this person since I'm never going to see them again, you know? And you wouldn't have to worry about them moving and fucking up the picture because it took so long to expose back then. That's why, by the way, why everyone looks really sad and depressed in photographs all the time is because they need to stand there for such a long time while the film gets exposed. So having a big smile on your face isn't exactly conducive to that. So just straight faced, stay still, be in a position where you can support yourself. That's why they have their hand on something and all of this. So, yeah. But anyway... When the person's dead, you don't got to worry about any of that stuff.
2: But Yeah, Nicole Kidman is scared of it, calls it macabre, gives it to her and says, take it away, take it out of here.
0: Macabre is a great word for it. It's a great word.
2: But it's stupid because later she's going to find that death picture of them. I guess this was so that she could know what it was of, but it's like yes. it's very obvious what it's of.
0: Yeah, but I think if you just went to that, there'd be questions about, oh, of course, you just randomly have a photograph of these three specific people dead at the same time. Like, and <laughs> it w- it w- this meant you don't have those questions when we get to that point. That's a point.
2: Yeah, they died from tuberculosis yep. in uh,
0: 1891.
2: Yes, when there was a big evacuation. Which I guess Nicole Kidman doesn't know what year that happened because if she did, it would be like, "How are you still alive?"
0: <laughs> well, it was probably yeah, it's probably before she was born.
2: Right, but that would have like that's fifty years ago. Yeah, and they're already old, so yeah. <laughs> Doors start getting slammed. They start getting locked and unlocked. She starts hearing things, but nobody's there. She says at one point there is something not at rest in this house, and it's great because you know when you know that she's talking about herself, yeah. that's really good. But again, it's only good when you know it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think this movie requires that you know the twist in order for it to be really interesting, and it's better for it
2: and i love her conversation with the the maid cuz she's just like you must think i'm crazy of course you do why would you believe this i wouldn't believe it <laughs> and she's just like i do believe it ma'am she yells at mrs mills telling her i need to know where the gravestones are and it's uh, and when you know ahead of time she's standing right in front of them mr tuttle has covered it with leaves uh-huh. but they tell you like 2 seconds later that that's what it is that's anyway theirs. yeah But she's really upset because she's like, wait, but why do you believe this? It's not in the Bible. And she tells her not everything is in the Bible. Not everything has an answer. I think that sometimes
4: the world
3: of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. (sighs) But it's impossible. The Lord would never allow such an aberration. The living and the dead, they will only meet at the end of eternity. Says so in the Bible
5: Ma'am there isn't always an answer for everything,
2: but so that is when she goes out into the fog, and that is when she finds her oh husband, she
0: insists on getting the priest a priest
2: and it is terrifying when she walks out into the fog and it goes white, yeah, I've been in white out snow, so I imagine white out fog is just so scary. Mm-hmm. it is very terrifying. And then just randomly her husband's there, because mm-hmm. the fog made it so.
0: And she's confused, and I think the audience is supposed to be confused, too. Yeah. And I can imagine that's the case.
2: Yeah. The audience was mad.
0: The audience was very mad. <laughs> the audience of one that Kelsey can <laughs> account for. <laughs>
2: But he is very, very strange. Everything that comes out of his mouth is very strange But you might be able
0: to write that off of, man, he was in the war and he's seen some shit.
2: Yes, exactly. She says, they said I should give you up for death. He says, they say a lot of things. But she asks him, where have you been? And he says, I've been out there looking for my home. Which, if you've never seen this before, you're just like, what the fuck does that mean you could just
0: be using flowery language man it's the 40s people said some weird shit sometimes
2: but when you know what's happening yes. you understand that that means he's just been wandering around in the further
0: yeah
2: and she says you're so different and he goes sometimes i bleed <laughs>
0: what yeah which is weird but of course if you know the story you know that means that
2: he relives his yes. death over
0: or at okay. least he starts to bleed and he doesn't know why, and it's his wound that's, that's re-bleeding, and it's him coming to terms with the fact that he's dead.
2: But again, again, we all know nothing matters when you come to terms with your when you're dead.
0: Yeah, but that that's, it, that's the thing. I don't think that it's – it's not like in Lake Mungo, where you need an event to happen in order for peace to be – no, 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 no. It's just – Shit happens and you come to terms with it or you don't. If you come to terms with it, the world doesn't suddenly fucking change. You aren't act- you haven't leveled up or anything like that, but you're at peace personally. So it is a goal that you should want.
2: So after he shows up, she refuses to acknowledge the ghosts anymore. Her daughter tries to tell him about it and Nicole Kidman shushes her. Mm-hmm. When the daughter is upset, Mrs. Mills tells her there are some things your do- your mother doesn't want to hear. Yeah. That's very true. There are a lot of things she doesn't want to hear.
0: Yeah, I wonder how much of his silence is him knowing he's dead and knowing she doesn't know that she's dead.
2: Or just be- being confused about, I thought I was dead, why am yeah, I suddenly am I at home? Exactly. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile... The daughter is very excited to wear her communion dress, Mm -hmm. and Nicole says, "Okay, you can wear it, but you don't get to sit on the ground or anything." And then I'm gonna, then we gotta take it off in a few minutes. Well, she does sit on the ground, uh huh. (laughs) But way more importantly, she possesses a woman. Yeah, but doesn't know that she's possessing a woman.
0: Wouldn't that be interesting if ghosts that possess humans didn't know that that's what was happening?
2: But she's not even aware that she's
0: doing anything. Yeah, she's just, what are you talking about? I am your daughter. And so when Nicole Kidman shows up and realizes this has got to be a really creepy moment if you don't know what's going on, Her daughter has an old woman's hand as she's playing with the puppet and she walks around and she sees this old face with cataract eyes behind the veil. What have you done with my daughter? I am your daughter. What are you talking about? And she grabs her and she hits her and she's like strangling her. And you're like, oh my God, is this what, you know, if you didn't, again, know what was going on, is this the terrible thing that she did? Does she just lose her mind and she quote unquote thinks she's seeing ghosts and she ends up hurting her kids? but she really is seeing ghosts? Is that what's going on here? Not quite, but this moment does play out that way.
4: What's the matter? Where is my daughter? <laughs> what have you done with my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. <gasps> no! You're not my daughter! No! no!
2: No!
0: And she hurts her daughter and... Daughter freaks out and goes to Mrs. Mills and, like, doesn't want anything to do with her mom. She
2: she goes to her dad and tells her dad what happened.
0: Oh, right. And then she goes, Nicole Kidman goes to Chris Eccleston again, and then they fuck. Yes. That's some ghost loving.
2: Yes, some ghost sex. But that scene was very scary in the movie theater. Yeah. That was... A scary scene. And then, of course, once you know what's actually happening, it's not scary at all anymore. Uh That's funny.
0: But you worry about the kid. Like, again, I hadn't seen this movie, but I knew what was happening. So I I was worried about this kid. And I was worried about the consequences of the kid hating her mom or something like that. Because I didn't know the plot points. I just knew they're already dead and there's a living family there.
2: But so the daughter goes and tells daddy and daddy's like... What the fuck? Please tell me this is not true, and that is not what happened. And she's just like, what do you want from me? The servants left.
0: You were dead. What was I supposed to do? Not kill your children? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But again, they could ostensibly just be talking about the fact that she hurt them in some way.
2: Right. She doesn't have
0: to have come to terms with the fact that she killed her family yet.
2: Right. But it's just like, dude, you lasted five days. (laughs)
0: Well, plus all the years that he was at war.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so he leaves.
0: He just disappears. So that was a- Like we don't see him disappear, it's just he's gone at some point.
2: Yeah, and w- in the movie theater I was just I going insane. Uh-huh. Tearing my hair out. But then when he leaves is when suddenly all the cu- the curtains are gone.
0: Yes, so they can't even think about the fact that her husband's gone.
2: Right, and she immediately runs to her kids who are hiding in, like, one little shaded, shaded corner.
0: Oh, they're, they're screaming. She doesn't know why, so she goes to get them. And, yeah, it's because the daughter wakes up and realizes there are no curtains and she's in the sun.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And so she goes and is screaming at the servants, like, Go and find the curtains. What have you done with them?
0: (laughs) Mr. Tuttle's like, oh, huh. So they are. They're gone. I wonder who did that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Mills has reached the end of her tether with Mm -hmm. this one. She's not happy with her.
0: So she ends up telling Tuttle and Lydia, well, it's time to reveal it. Time to uncover the gravestones. Because that's all they're concerned with is like, well, she needs to know that we're dead and that she's dead, too. And how we're going to do that is with showing her the fact that these are our gravestones.
2: Mm-hmm. That night, the little girl in her nightgown, I'm like, dude, you'd be freezing cold, mm-hmm. but sure, decides that, you know...
0: I'm going to go look for dad.
2: Yeah, well, let's go find daddy. So she goes outside and the little brother follows after her. This whole scene is a little over the top between the brother and sister Her acting is a little over the top. Um, I
0: thought it was cute the way that it, although it wasn't a plot point through the rest of the movie, how proud she was of her brother for climbing out the window.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a little over the top.
0: I can see that. Because it does kind of come out like, she doesn't seem to have a concern for her brother at all, other than the fact that he's annoying and cowardly. So why she would be proud the moment that he shows Guts, like... She's never shown a concern for her brother like that before. But yes, of course, the odds that both of these things happen at the same time are a little ridiculous. But I do think it's really a neat way of revealing it.
2: Oh, I love the scene where she realizes they're dead and is yelling at her brother. And I love that her brother's (gasps) like, fuck you. I'm not going to fall for your
0: shit. Nicholas, don't speak to them. Why?
4: (laughs) They're dead.
0: What?
4: (laughs) Mommy, we've run away. Don't speak to them.
2: Yes, this scene is good. <laughs> this scene is well done, and I just love him. He's just like you're always teasing me. I'm not gonna believe you. I'm not teasing you. They're uh-uh. dead.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, meanwhile, Nicole Kidman is in that room looking through all the shit and finds that photograph of the three servants.
2: Meanwhile, the servants are slowly walking up towards them. Nicholas is in the middle. The little girl's there. Nicole, the, the Nicole Kid- Kidman's running, running out. out. Yes. It's very, This scene is fun. I enjoyed this. It's very funny. But Nicole Kidman grabs them. They get inside. The servants get up to the door and they're just like, you're not any better off in there. Yeah. The intruders are in there with you. And you're you. like, oh my
0: God. Yes. The
2: intruders. Yeah, you're getting excited. There's, a, there's actually a
0: villainous ghost. Yes, you're yeah. getting <laughs> really
2: excited. In the movie theater, you're thinking, oh, it's, here it comes finally. It's going to uh-huh. make sense.
0: We find out that... Anne has been placed in the, in a room and she's talking to somebody the old lady the old lady and so when Nicole Kidman goes in she realizes that there is a whole family and an old woman at a table having a séance.
2: And this is a well-done scene that I could not have cared less about in the theater because when this bomb dropped I was just like no fuck, fuck you movie. <laughs> I was, I was livid. Well, like
0: I said, so knowing I missed, what's going on, it's very melodramatic and... Uh,
2: so I missed the cool part. Like, I missed this, why did she kill you? How did she do it? And this was a lot of fun. And is
0: like, I didn't kill my daughter. We are not yeah, we're not dead. And she picks up papers and tears we're them up. We're not and dead. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a fun getting that pers- from the ghost perspective. Seeing why they yeah. would do
2: the things that they do. It. This was cool. Yeah, and it was not seen as cool when I first saw
0: it. <laughs> Catelyn Stark, by the way.
2: Yes, I was Michelle like, oh, Fairley, shit. Catelyn Stark is
0: the wife who's like, this place is absolutely haunted. Get us out of here. And so they end up, they all end up leaving. But Missus Mills is like, there will be another family eventually.
2: Yeah, and sometimes we'll know, and sometimes we won't. And this is when Nicole Kidman finally admits to her children, "I'm no yeah. wiser than you. I don't know anything more than you do."
0: The Denouement is just so packed full of discussion and dialogue; it's a little too much. I would have almost preferred to have been left with a little bit more ambiguity. It's it felt like it felt like the end of Psycho, where oh, now story time, where we explain everything. It's like. Uh... <laughs>
2: Well, a lot of people have that problem with Vanilla Sky, and I don't mind
0: it in Vanilla Sky. Where there's Yeah, there's a whole moment at the end where the dude has to explain everything that's going on. I didn't mind any of that. not only is the character faced with an important decision, but <laughs> this other character is going to lay it out specifically what that decision is. And the action where you need to make that d- decision is a very drastic action, especially if it's the wrong decision. Like, it's all set up to be this epic moment, but it's really all just a lot of talking, you know? So I can see why. No, I, I love Vanilla Sky as well. But, yeah. The re- again, the reason we're talking about Vanilla Sky is because this dude wrote Aubrey Los Ojos, which is what Vanilla Sky is based on. Yes. So, yeah, too much denouement discussion. But it's the end of the movie at this point.
2: This house is ours. This house is ours. This house is ours. I could have done without that shit.
0: Yeah. But we find out that she killed her her kids when she found out her husband was dead, and then she killed herself, and then she woke up, possibly screaming, not that exact moment, but a moment just like it. Maybe, we don't know, maybe it is that exact moment. Realizes the kids are playing with the pillows she smothered them with, so they seem to be fine either she's going crazy and didn't actually kill her kids or god saw fit to send them back through time and make it so it didn't happen that's what she and, thinks yeah, happened and give it a, give her a second chance but no ultimately neither of those things are the case they are dead what she did was final the question is how are they going to like are they ever going to see her husband their their dad again i would assume not and if so maybe very rarely they don't address that. It's just now now all the people who died here are living here. Nicole Kidman, her two kids, I and think the three the kid, servants. I
2: think Nicholas asks, did Daddy die in the war? And Nicole Kidman says yes. Yeah.
0: But I mean, are they ever going to see his ghost again like they did oh. recently? Like, is that ever going to happen again? I
2: think that was pr- – I would, if I had to guess, I would guess that
0: was the only time. That I've was a one-time him. thing? Yeah, I would too. But who knows? Again, it's a movie that makes you ask There's a lot of no questions answers, and has no answers man. for you. That's fine. So, Kelsey. Yeah. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm
2: sure it's high. I would guess 86. 83.
0: There you go. The Others is a spooky thriller that reminds us that a movie doesn't need expensive special effects to be creepy. A Metacritic of 74 and a cinema score of AB. I didn't notice that there are some fun camera movements as well. Uh, we kind of skipped over it, but in the scene where they thought that there were intruders, like physical people that were there, and Nicole Kidman wanted to search the house with the gun and had everyone search every room, and they're throwing open all the, the curtains and everything like that. There's fun, like, whip-around camera f- shots that happen. There's one when the people are walking on the, the floor above that the camera just kind of slowly pans from right to left and lands on Nicole Kidman, and it's a beautiful shot showing the whole room and not even pans, it like rotates. Um I, I think it's pretty well directed and it almost explicitly evokes that sort of mid-century feeling. And there might be cause to reject that because it doesn't feel like a movie that was made in 2001. And that might be weird. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to dislike that about the movie, but I liked it. What would you give it?
2: I will give it a 73.
0: I was going to give it a 78.
2: I think it is a good movie. I think it has flaws. I think it has... It, it it'll never. I'll never be able to get over how mad it made me the first time <laughs> I saw it. I'll never forget the anger that I felt. But this was much better than I remembered it being, for obvious reasons. But I just don't think I'll ever get over that first hit, because it just felt trickery.
0: Yeah. You feel cheated. Yeah. uh I can totally understand that feeling. A company called Sentient Entertainment acquired the remake rights to this movie in April of last year. So just about a year ago. And their idea is to remake it in the present day. Which. I mean, I guess. I don't see the point. Universal will co-produce and distribute the film.
2: I don't see the point.
0: Yeah. But I think this is actually a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I think seventy-eight is a is a perfectly respectable score. And you said seventy-three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh before we get into our next movie, Kelsey, Horror Trivia.
2: Quarantine is an American remake of what Spanish film?
0: Wreck. Kelsey. Yeah. In the film Lake Mungo. Yeah. Where does Alice drown?
2: It's a dam.
0: It is a dam. It's a dam in Ararat, Australia. Lake Mungo is actually a dry lake. Yes. Uh, There is no water. It's in New South Wales, Australia, and you don't even hear the term Lake Mungo until the movie is almost over. It's so funny that way. That brings us right into Lake Mungo from 2008. Also written and directed by the same person, Joel Anderson. This is a, like a testament to when writing the movie that you're directing actually works well. Oh, I guess we know what he thought of Lake Mungo. <laughs> I'm surprised that Kelsey has concerns with this movie. It stars Rosie Trainer, David Pledger, and Martin Sharp as the family that survives. What is Lake Mungo about?
2: A teenage girl dies. And her family struggles to get over it.
0: It's in a documentary format. A lot of times people use the term mockumentary. Uh, it is because it's mock is in fake. But I always felt like the term mockumentary, like a Christopher Guest movie. Was funny. Was like, you're mocking it like mm-hmm. you're making fun of it. That's not what this is doing. It no. is a faux documentary style. I wrote down, like two minutes into the movie... Oh my God! Is this what I've been asking for this whole time? How many times have I mentioned? Won't somebody please just commit to the documentary thing? <laughs> when they do this found footage stuff, they like like nobody would find this footage. But the
2: ending doesn't bother you?
0: N- absolutely not. But the ending? We'll get there, I guess. No, it absolutely does not because it feels like it is edited by somebody with. Documentary production experience And I can Like
2: I feel like the ending ruins the fact that it's a
0: documentary You haven't seen the jinx The jinx ends with a huge Fucking twist and you know who they interview After that twist happens Fucking no one That is the very end of the documentary That happens We'll talk about it We will But but, but the point is, from start to finish, this is a documentary, and they're interviewing people. And I'll get into why I think they do such an incredible job of it. And I've seen complaints about this movie, like, oh, it's really good, but, and I'll read it, and I'm like, no, that's exactly why it's good. What are you talking about? Anyway, I'll get into it when we when we when when it happens later. I was just really excited because in past movies, I'm like, can't somebody just commit to the fucking bit and just make a whole movie that's like a fake documentary, but it's horror?
2: Well, I guess we should first of all say thank you to Jeffrey for suggesting that we watch the others because that forced me to watch it, and I appreciated it a lot more, and uh-huh. Chris really liked it. Uh-huh. But it sounds like we really need to say a big thank you to Peter because apparently you gave Chris something he has been dying for. Yes, yes.
0: I, I think in one of the episodes, I even said if I was to make a horror movie, it would be a fake documentary and it wouldn't just be like, oh, God, look, there's a ghost. Oh, shit. Run scared. And the camera's shaking. And it's just like a just turns into a just your basic found footage movie. Like, no, I want to see footage edited together with. Interviews in order to tell a compelling story and express a narrative from beginning to end. Like, that's what I was looking for. And this is exactly that now. That doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to be a good version of that. But I was just super excited, like, two minutes in that, ah, oh, this is the thing. This is that thing that I've been asking for. I'm I'm really thankful that I got to see this movie for that reason alone. It is available to watch with a subscription to Prime Video or AMC+, Plus, which is apparently a thing. There's AMC On Demand and there's AMC+. Plus. You can rent it for $4 on most services, but it's only $3 on Redbox. Or you can buy it for $8 on most services. Should people watch Lake Mungo? I guess. I'm, I- I'm really curious to hear why... <laughs> You have a problem with this movie.
2: I don't understand why it was made. I don't get the point of the film. I don't get what it's trying to say.
0: Since when have you ever been concerned with what a movie is trying to say?
2: When it's obviously trying to tell me something and it had no interest in scaring me, so...
0: No, it's supposed to be creepy. You're (laughs) supposed to be creeped out, but it's not a... Kind of jump scare movie, but neither really was the others. Although it did have more intense moments.
2: Yeah, exactly. I need Mm -hmm. intensity. I need scares. I need... I
0: think by the nature of it being a mockumentary, it's people's desire for exactly that that made me so pissed off at those other movies who refuse to commit to the bit.
2: Well, but then if you're going to do a documentary, it needs to be more compelling than this. And I feel like it needs to have a point. And I didn't feel like this movie had a point.
0: The point is, without... Spoiling too much. The point is, is that this is a dead, pr- it's a classic ghost story in that there is a mystery, there is a secret that this ghost yeah, took but- to their grave and they can't move on. They can't deal with that until the people who are living come to terms with it. It's about coming to terms with grief for the people, for the living people. Yes.
2: Certainly not for the dead people. She
0: needed that secret exposed
2: but then when they leave she's still right there
0: no i think you're i think you're conflating two different things she's there in a photograph that they they showed us way earlier on in the movie that's not when they leave
2: no when they drive away they show her standing in the window
0: i don't i'll have to go back and check the the shot of her standing in the window is from a photograph of the three of them standing in the front yard Uh, Maybe there's another one also of them driving away. Like I said, I have to watch it again. Um, Or, you know, when I'm editing, I'll I'll come across that moment. But yeah, I I, I think it's more about the living. This is the other side of, you know, the others, which is the dead coming to terms with the fact that they're dead. This is, it's like a lot of haunting stories are, it's an expression of coming to terms with grief.
2: I would completely agree with that, except for from what I remember, she's just left there. Just, fuck you.
0: <laughs> you're fucked. Okay, okay. So <laughs> benefit of the doubt, maybe you're wrong and that's not how it ends. Then how does I would that change
2: say, things? Then I would say it's fine. It's not a, I still don't think it's a horror movie. I, I think it's just a sad ghost story, I guess.
0: We've watched sad ghost stories in the past. Yeah,
2: but this wasn't, I also didn't like her whole premonition. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I, and then she just randomly drowned.
0: Just yeah, no, those
2: randomly are. Randomly fucking drowned. She was swimming fine.
0: Hey, wait, wait. What happened to your openness to questions that don't have answers? What do you mean? We just talked about the others. Would, because that
2: are... was the whole point of the others. That was its whole point.
0: It's a point. I disagree that it's the whole point.
2: But it's a big point. Yes.
0: Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. I think you could very well say that one of the things we learn about when we talk about documentaries where a crime happens, there's a mystery to be solved. People come to a lot of conclusions. They have their own information. They come to their own conclusions. One of the most frustrating things about documentaries is when they end and there's no clear answer about what the truth actually is. And that is the nature of these sorts of investigations, is now you have all the information. What do you think? And so the idea that there are questions that don't have answers seems perfectly reasonable. Especially since throughout the movie, people come up with conflicting ideas as as part of their interviews.
2: And what was the whole thing about her sleeping with her employers?
0: That was the... Secret. That why
2: she kept. does that matter? Why do we care? I, It didn't lead to anything. Okay, she had an affair with a married couple. Or was she supposed to be being raped by those people?
0: I think that that's the case. At the very least, it's statutory.
2: Of course it is. Yeah. But then why would she have a tape of
0: She it? also talked about feeling numb and like it sounded like she had been drugged. Or maybe, but the mom asks those questions. There are questions she has that she doesn't have answers to. What exactly happened? Was she in love with these people? She doesn't know and she's not going to get those answers, but she still comes to terms with it. You know, she's happier knowing that this guy and this woman will always have to look over their shoulder. They always know that it's coming for them. And they can't cover it up. Anyways, we're we're exposing a lot of the plot elements here. I will just say, as much as I liked the others, I liked this more. It felt like such a well produced document. Like if this was a documentary that was on Netflix about something that really happened, we wouldn't be shutting up about it. It would be you know all the all the yeah, true too bad crime. It ain't real. <laughs> all the true crime documentaries that happened. Well, yeah, because it's not real. Now we get those actual ghost shots. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm totally fine with all of that. I will highly recommend it if you're into these sort of creepy documentaries about murders and stuff. Because I think the actors do incredibly well at portraying people who are being interviewed. It's not a script, and that contributes to that. It's just an outline of information that needs to get across, just like it was a Christopher Guest movie. And people ad-lib. And so it feels really, really natural and it feels just so imagine you get a documentary and you get cool, plausible, spooky stuff. As opposed to most documentaries when, you know, oh, yeah, they saw something and it's like, oh, yeah, it says you. This actually has those moments and things that the movie shows you that are really spooky. Um, Spooky. It's spooky. So I think Kelsey's on the fence and that's fine. But this was exactly what I was asking for, and I was not disappointed, I will say. I guess either way, don't avoid it is our advice. Yeah. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2008's Lake Mungo.
3: I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. The, family and
0: the normally Alice
4: Harlan tranquil Harlan setting of Ararat's to dam. A young Harlan
5: woman Harlan. taken too soon.
1: Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back, and there was footage of a figure. Moving across the hallway,
5: the image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like Alice.
1: Don't you to close your eyes? I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was empty inside that house, and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes.
5: There was a ghost in our house.
3: Alice kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me.
5: Alice knew she was going to die.
3: I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. It's getting closer.
0: In December 2005, a tragic accident began a series of extraordinary events... That thrust a grieving family in the small Victorian town of Ararat into the media spotlight. This film is a record of those events. That's the title cards that we get at the beginning of Lake Mungo. Kelsey, how does the actual film begin?
2: Well, actually, right before that, you hear just voices. Uh-huh. And one is Alice. Alice. Saying, something bad is going to happen to me, Mm -hmm. or it's already happened to me. And then you hear her friend say, she kept secrets, and nobody knew she kept secrets.
0: Yeah, the line is, Alice kept secrets, she kept the fact that she kept secrets a secret.
2: Which Chris feels is super important to the movie, and clearly it is, otherwise it would not be here in the beginning of the film. But it just doesn't feel important
0: with the rest of the story. So what I think is important about the keeping secrets thing is I think this movie has a point. It has something to say. That is that, you know, don't keep important things like this from the people that are important to you. Um, Why? Because obviously she was struggling with something. And she had a support system there to help her, and she refused to reach out to that support system until she died, and she needed that support system to figure out her secrets before she could be at rest.
2: See, now I felt that it was way too strongly connected to
0: Twin Peaks. Okay. The fact that some somebody... A young girl dies and then has secrets,
2: and you find out that she had a lot that she had this sexual history that mm-hmm. nobody knew about, including her boyfriend and see the way her boy yeah. and the way her boyfriend talks about it, oh, and by the way, their last name is Palmer <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it really it is <laughs> oh my God, you're right,
2: right of course I wonder her if that's name is- a reference, of course, her name is Alice, not Laura, but uh-huh. But also, there was this feeling that I got because of that strong connection to Twin Peaks. And because her her death seems so glazed over, no one really talks about the fact that, why did she drown? Yes. No one talks about it. They don't act like it's weird. She clearly could swim, or she wouldn't be out there.
0: Right, but I don't think that it's... I I think it is... A question that is unanswered, but I think that makes it more real. People just fucking drown sometimes. That happens all the damn time.
2: But people flail, people scream, Not people gasp.
0: You hear about it all the time in documentaries just like this. And one of the reasons that they make documentaries about this stuff is because it is so remarkable and it fucking sucks when it happens, but sometimes your child just disappears. And there's no explanation for why.
2: But disappear is different from drown. It just felt unlikely. And so it constantly felt like there was gonna be something to her death.
0: I could see that. I can see where you're going with that. That makes sense. And there never was. Yeah, because it's not about her. I understand. Death. Yeah, it's not about that. Of her death. It's about what was going on when she was alive, and now that she is dead, why she can't move on.
2: Right. But that frustrated me because it just seemed so improbable. That's fair. Why couldn't it be that she drowned and no one was there? Why couldn't it be that, like, she decided to go swimming early in the morning before anyone woke up, and when they woke up, she had drowned? Why couldn't it be something where at least I could imagine that something happened?
0: Because it is more tragic that they were right there. They looked away, they looked back, and she was gone. This is a story about tragedy. But it doesn't make sense. Sure, this shit happens in real life. I don't know what doesn't make sense about it. But I see where you're coming from, that it does set up for there to be some kind of revelation, and you don't get that revelation. All the revelations are about before she died, and then after she died, and none of them are about the circumstances of her actual death. That makes sense.
2: There are also a lot of very strange little things just sprinkled throughout the film that that you could argue, well, life is sometimes strange, weird things happen, and you are correct. But there are a lot of strange things. It's just like, why was that there? Why did they have to drive their car in reverse home?
0: Yeah, I, I thought that that was unique. It was interesting. Uh, it was totally unnecessary, and they probably should have taken it out. Because it was almost like, oh, is this an omen for something? And it- exactly. It's not, it's not. It's just sometimes life just hits you a couple of times in a row, and it fucking it sucks. And, and sometimes pulling out these little moments of this is life is what makes it real. But this is a little bit too weird. The fact that on their drive home... After the, after the cops showed up and they're searching the dam and all of that stuff for her and it's like you guys go home we'll let you know as soon as we find anything and so there's no reason for them to be there anymore and they've been there for hours they drive home the car breaks down and none of the gears in the transmission work except for reverse so
1: they have to drive home in reverse the car stalled on the way back from the dam but the only gear that I could get it into was reverse so we drove Back into town in reverse, which was either that or walk. And, and given everything that had happened, seemed like the better option, really.
0: That might be a little bit too much to tap into that realness.
2: <laughs> but there's more of that. There is a lot of these weird little things, and I'm just like, why? That's
0: probably the most egregious example. Like, I wrote that down. I didn't write any anything else that you're talking about down. Well, we will talk about them. Okay.
2: There is a weird shot of the funeral parlor. No one addresses the fact that the shot is in there. No one talks about it. They just show the funeral parlor men and I thought it was funny. I thought they
0: were going to be interviewed and yes, they never were.
2: exactly. That's what I'm
0: saying. The shot is really real. It's the two men that, again, a lot of real shots of the two men that run the funeral parlor just like standing there awkwardly in a wide shot. <laughs> As if like, oh, you're gonna show like their names and then you're gonna interview them and but none of that happens. It's almost like they took out that that they portion took that of it. Interview but out. they left that shot because it felt like something that's in a documentary, and they didn't feel like anyone else in the documentary it was appropriate to do that to. So but they needed that shot. And it's like, now nah, you could have you could have taken that out.
2: This is what I'm talking
0: okay, about. Okay, that's fair.
2: Lots of little things. I'm just like, what, what, why? Mm-hmm.
0: But there are a lot of little <laughs> That thing is very documentary, and if this is going to feel like a documentary, it needed that. But, you know, if their cake was having that shot and the eating it was taking these characters out of the movie, they were trying to have their cake and eat it, too. And, it yeah, I can see why that would be upsetting.
2: Mm-hmm. So they're interviewing the father – And he explains that about two weeks after her death is when we started to hear things. Doors kept slamming. We were hearing all these noises. Those noises will never get brought up again. That just gets dropped right here and there. So why keep it in? I'm getting the feeling just from talking about it now that the editor doesn't know what they're doing.
0: I think the editor knows exactly what they're doing. And then maybe know more about making a documentary than they do about, or making a movie feel like a documentary than they do that narrative. Because, let me tell you, I could go over the list of everything that's done right in this way. Things that you will never see in any other movie you watch. Period. Just any other movie. That's not a comedy like Waiting for Guffman or something like that. Because they just don't do this. Remember how I was saying before? Why doesn't anybody just do this? Why don't they just commit to the bit? Make it a real documentary, but have the narrative be fake. Have the characters be actors. Just like you do in all these fantastic comedies, but make it a horror story about ghosts or something. And here, here we have it. And the way that they do it There are different sources of footage, so they filmed with different cameras, different qualities, a lot of natural light where there would be natural light a lot of lighting setups where there would be lighting setups for things like interviews and stuff like that. Uh, There are different sessions where the actors wear different clothes because they were filmed at different times and they're peppered throughout. So you'll get a revelation that the movie wasn't ready to tell you yet, but was very obviously revealed in the first interview session because they're in that place wearing those clothes and being shot from that angle. So it's not like okay, session one is all of this stuff. Session two, they they're to we're going to reveal this stuff. And session three, we're going to reveal more stuff. No, it feels like they had multiple interview sessions and things were revealed throughout all of them. Some, there are candid photos with unstaged lighting. It feels exactly like a well-produced documentary. And to the point where I would expect either the director or the editor to have a background in it.
2: I will say, this is probably... Probably the first good thing I'm saying about this movie. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the actors' realism. I think that what you said about them ad libbing is it felt very real. They yeah, did we
0: talked about this, but yes they they there were no scripts for the movie. There were outlines, and then the actors and the interviewers ad libbed everything.
2: I think that they do a great job. Ad-libbing, uh, this father feels very real. Oh, yeah, the I brother think feels very real.
0: That father especially feels the most real.
2: The father and brother were my favorites. But the father describes how he started to have, unless maybe this was the mother, because this would be why she stopped sleeping. Yeah. Actually, this is the mother I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I agree. The father and the brother do a really good job. But the mother starts describing this nightmare that she has of her daughter, walking into the house dripping wet from the dam and just standing at the foot of the bed staring at her.
0: Yeah.
5: I started having these nightmares and they were so distressing that sometimes I just wouldn't want to open my eyes. I'd woken up, but I didn't want to open my eyes. There was one particular one. It was quite vivid and um, recurring Alice would come down the hall, still dripping from the dam, and just stand at the foot of our bed, just staring at us. It was it was um, quite terrifying. As I said, I didn't want to open my eyes.
2: What the movie will imply heavily, and then eventually just flat out say it happened, is that this is really happening, and that this is not a nightmare. She is actually seeing her daughter there. And so
0: we have, like, two different daughters. We have the drowned one, which is almost like an omen, a warning, a hey, pay attention to me. And then we have the one as she was in life, which is just like, family, help me out here. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. But so because of those nightmares, she started not being able to sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, guys, one another reason that you can understand why these are probably not nightmares is because she didn't actually see her daughter that way. Only the father did. Yeah. Because she refused to get out of the car and look at her. Yeah. So because of point. that.
0: That's a good point.
2: It's very likely that these are not made up in her mind because she never saw her daughter that way. Yeah,
0: the father was the one that identified the body.
2: But so she stopped sleeping, and she started wandering around the town and going into people's houses, and they will bring this up one more time? Yes.
0: I am fine with that. I see you're going to lump it in with the car going in reverse thing. <laughs> oh, you should just take that out, because what does that tell you about anything other than just, like, uh, shit compounds sometimes? But... People do weird things when they're grieving.
2: I understand She that. says
0: specifically that she just wanted to be in somebody else's life for a while and not in her own.
5: Sometimes I would actually go into people's houses. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. I um, I guess um, I, I really just wanted to be inside someone else's life for a while.
0: Alice's boyfriend will mention, oh yeah, I heard about june going into people's houses and that's like the only reference you're going to get to that but that felt very real like she admitted something and it's whoa are you just walked into other people's houses i didn't need there to be like a police investigation and she ran into somebody and somebody chased her out of their home and i didn't need any of that because the importance is a revelation about june and that's the only importance We didn't need any sort of confrontation to result from it.
2: I understand. My point is actually that when she describes it, she says, I didn't see anything weird about it. And then it's not brought up for a very long time. And and eventually, maybe it's the boyfriend. I
0: think it's the boyfriend,
2: yeah. Or it's the brother Or they bring it up together. I forgot, I don't understand, I don't remember exactly. I'm sure it's in my notes when we get there. But it just, it seems like everyone knew about it and she was just kind of the town crazy because her daughter died. But I don't know. It just seems like another weird thing that yes, agreed, people do grieve in different ways. And yes, we're supposed to be very cognizant that she is grieving heavily. I understand that. It just seems
0: random and weird. I think, I think it may be that you're starting to collect these items in your brain perfectly reasonably. And then you're just starting to put, pe- put things that you see in these collections. And so it's harder for you to take them seriously because now it's classified as that's a weird thing. And not, yeah, that is weird that she did that. What must she be going through to cause her to do that? And you're not taking it that far because you have now just put it in the bucket of weird things.
2: I think it's more that like nobody, nobody was like, uh, "Can you not get into our houses?" Nobody, uh, nobody locked their doors. Nobody was like, "Yeah, that was weird." For you know,
0: all just- we know, and because we there is no confrontation, she mentions that she did it, and she doesn't mention any consequences. For all we know, nobody fucking knew about it except for the boyfriend of the girl that just died. And, you know, for all, he, he could have been told by Matt, Matthew, the son, you know, like all we know is that, oh, yeah, and I heard that she was doing this thing, you know, or maybe people did start locking their doors or she did it once or twice and it wasn't like a thing she did every night or whatever, you know. <sighs>
2: So, the father is now going to tell his story about where he sees his daughter as a ghost. And this is well done. He gives a very good performance here.
1: So I went into Ellie's room and uh, I don't really know why, but I sort of found myself sitting down in the chair in front of the dresser and um, before I could kind of work out what I was doing there, Ellie walked in and she went over to a desk and Started sharpening a pencil and then she looked like she was checking uh, for a text message on her phone. And, um, you know, I was completely freaked out. Uh, She was completely oblivious to my presence. And then I don't know what happened. I must have um, moved the bed or, you know, squeaked my shoes or something, but she went completely rigid. And, I knew then that she knew I was there. And she slowly turned around and she looked me right in the eye, fully for, you know, what felt like forever. And then she just came at me and stood up and said, get out, get out. And I just, you know, cut up and went out as fast as I could.
2: Meanwhile, his co-worker
1: mm-hmm. is
2: explaining that, you know... I thought his grief was strange. He never once talked about it. He never once cried. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's really not my place to say anything because people do grieve differently. And I thought that was very real. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was also good. And then, and then. His
0: diplomatic response to seeing the ghost is like, I think he believes that's what he saw. I like, you know, I don't think he's lying, but I don't know if he's all a ghost. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> right, but he does explain, you know, he's not the type of person who would make shit up, Yeah, uh-huh. so I know he saw something, I don't know what he saw, and that's what a lot of people feel, you know, like, if a good friend of mine told me that they saw a ghost, I would say, I believe you saw
0: something. yeah. You get proactively mad at me for not believing something you haven't even seen yet. (laughs) And that's that's probably exactly what my response would be. It's like, I believe you that you saw something. I just think there's probably an explanation for it.
2: (laughs) So do you want to explain what he saw?
0: Sure. He saw, he went into his daughter's room and he saw his daughter come into the room check something on her phone, like a text message or something, and it's like she didn't even know he was there. And then she turned and looked at him and, like, stared there for a while and then got angry at him and told him to get out, shouted at him. And he just, he didn't even, not even thinking, just like a dad might when his daughter yells at him to get out. He's just like, oh, sorry. And he just, like, goes to leave. And then he broke down crying after that. I think there's a possibility that we're having one of those sort of, like, Weird death time things going on right now where this might be a moment that they, that happened in real life and she's appearing doing something that she did in real life again. I don't think it's necessarily that that's the ghost that has a motive or anything like that.
2: Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't think the ghost has a motive. I think the idea here is that the ghost just kind of exists yeah, uh and just does random shit. Kind of like in the others, where it's not, they're not cognizant of the living. Yeah. uh So they're just doing their own thing. Yeah. And then when they become aware of them, it's like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's probably pretty likely.
2: Okay, here's another strange thing that gets brought up like once, doesn't get brought up again. I don't know if they're implying that he did it to himself or what. At one point, Matthew has bruises all over his body. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't go into that any further. Again, is it that he was doing it to himself? Is it that there is a ghost? Is it that someone else was doing it to him? Don't know.
0: Yeah, there never is a definitive answer on that.
2: Because it never gets brought up again. Mm -hmm. And this is what I mean. Because
0: there are more important things to bring up. And then it's like, well, why not just take that out? Exactly. But if this is supposed to be a chronicle of a real family and things happen that are unexplained which is what the whole movie is about, the unexplained shit that happens to them. Like, there are, there are things that we as an audience get answers to that the family doesn't within the context of the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. And I'm so confused. I'm absolutely not confused about any of that. I, I will grant you that we don't get an explanation for the bruises and we get explanations for other things, but that's life. That's life. Sometimes there are no answers. Yes, which you were perfectly happy to accept when it came to the others. How good
2: am I at combining (laughs) these? And I don't even remember why I do it in the first
0: place. But yes, it is a very weird thing to bring up and then never bring up again and have no explanation for, it is something that could have been left on the cutting room flow. I think in general, the filmmakers had a lot of really great ideas about small things that they can put in and didn't do a fantastic job of connecting them to the bigger picture. And that's where this movie fails in some ways.
2: You gave me a lot of great flavors, but it just doesn't come together to make a complete dish.
0: We watch a lot of cooking <laughs> reality shows. <laughs> With judges telling people about stuff like that.
2: (laughs) This is where it comes up. Someone is talking about the brother. I don't know, maybe it is the boyfriend. Someone is talking about Matthew, and they ask him about Matthew's response to it. And he goes, well, he was always really quiet in the first place. Maybe he was a little bit more quiet Oh, that was his friend
0: that he's in a band with.
2: And he says... Yeah, he wouldn't even talk to us about the fact that his mom went into people's houses. That's what it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Matthew seemed, seemed a bit quieter, but he was always pretty quiet, so I guess there wasn't really any warning bells going off or anything. Although I had heard about uh, June going into people's houses, and Matthew never really seemed to want to talk about any of that. I never I never asked him about any of it.
2: So everyone in the town is talking about this weird mom, and but... Yeah. (laughs) Not confronting her. I don't know. Kelsey,
0: there's a woman that takes our trash cans out, despite the fact that I've asked her not to. (gasps) What if she listens to the show? (laughs) Wow. That'd be cool, I guess. People do weird shit in your neighborhood, and everyone talks about them. I've talked to the neighbor across the street about it. (laughs) And, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to, like, get angry at her. I'm not going to yell at her. I'm not going to do... But if that's what she wants... Like, okay. (laughs) That shit just happens in communities like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. This is when the son reveals that he has been interested in photography for a while. Yeah. And he has been doing a photography project where he's been taking a picture in the same place, like, either every day or once a week or something. No, it's
0: like once every month or two. Okay. Uh, But for years. The shot of their backyard. And then one day, he finds Alice in one of the shots of the backyard, just standing there.
2: And right after that, a surveyor finds a picture of her... In one of his pictures. Yeah. Of the dam. hmm I'm gonna break it to you now.
0: Yes. These two things are very closely related.
2: She's a real ghost. We get confirmation of this. Let me explain how we get confirmation of this. Not through these pictures. These pictures, the one that the brother took and the one that the surveyor took, you're going to find out, eventually, are fake.
0: Yeah. He also took video overnight in their hallway and we see her face in a mirror. And, and a figure her- walks
2: across the hallway. Yes.
0: And he faked all of that.
2: Yes. Now, I'd like to break these things down. First of all, he takes a photo and claims that he found his sister in there. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we find out later that he took a picture of her from later and put it in the frame. Easy to do. But at the end of the film, when it is confirmed that she is a real live ghost, we find out that there's another picture that does have her in it.
0: The same picture. It's when we see that picture for the first time and we see her in the middle of, at the uh, near the fence in the middle of the shot. If you look to the right in that corner, in that bench, in the background, she's already there the first time you see that photo. But you didn't notice that. Neither did the family. Right Because your eye is drawn to the figure that's standing right there That's a real effect They didn't cheat anything here
2: You're telling me that If you're this grieving family that is consumed by this Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be looking at that photo With your eyes like every inch of it
0: Uh, They wouldn't be looking at that photo at all If there wasn't for that figure There
2: The fake one that the brother made up Okay, but once you've shown me that fake figure, and um, I believe it's real, would I not continue to look at and stare at that photo for hours?
0: Maybe. Maybe you would. Everyone grieves differently, Kelsey. You you conceded to that point already. I don't have any problem with that.
2: I call, I call bullshit. I don't
0: have any problem with it. Magician's bread and butter is misdirection. And it works. Otherwise, the profession of magician wouldn't be a fucking thing, but there are tons of people out there and they do it all the time and they even fool other magicians. There's an entire show all about magicians fooling other magicians, professional, really good magicians like Penn and Teller who are looking for the thing that you're doing on your misdirection and still can't figure out how you do it. I totally believe that a grieving family whose only reason to look at the picture is because their daughter is there in that picture wouldn't look anywhere but at their daughter.
2: I would have never stopped looking at it. I would have been looking for anything
0: else. Sure, but you're talking about you yourself or one of millions of different people that might also do that. We're talking about three specific people.
2: Okay. They will also tell us that he f- he quote-unquote faked the surveyor's photograph, even though he didn't do it on purpose. And that pisses me off. He just happened to be dressed up as his sister and happened to get a photo taken that that of him at be, the dam? I
0: think that can be interpreted one of two ways, and there's one I think that's more likely than the other.
2: You think he did it on purpose? How no. would he know? Okay, no, good. That's, okay. One of, that's
0: one of the two ways, but I don't think it's the likely one. The other one is he went out to the place where his sister died wearing his sister's clothes and tried to avoid getting his, his picture taken and was successful for the most part. But there's one photograph where he actually appeared. And then there's a video that comes out later where somebody – you can see him in the background. Okay. So that's how it's revealed that he faked all of this stuff.
2: Right. I'm fine with him having faked it, but it's just it's just bizarre to me that it's like the second time he didn't even mean to fake it. Well,
0: how many times do you think he went out there? Probably a lot. Yeah. Somebody was bound to see him or to catch a photograph of him. And this is the talk of the town. They were celebrities in their town, which is why when it comes out that he fakes it, it's a scandal.
2: Again, <laughs> we will find out later that she is also in the surveyor's photograph and in the video that reveals that it's him.
0: Did we see her in the surveyor's photograph or just the video?
2: They showed it both. They showed her. Okay. I, I At least I think they did. I'm pretty sure that they showed that she was in every single shot because I, wrote I that saw her. End.
0: I saw her in the video the first time, and I thought they were the same thing, but they weren't. I was like, "Oh, is that a thing?" And then they showed him what ended up being him in the video, and I was like, "Oh no, that's what we're supposed to be looking at." And that's the thing is, for a lot of the time, you take for granted that the camera wants to show you what it wants to show you, and you try your brain just kind of ignores a lot of the stuff that you don't think the camera is. Trying to focus on. So when it's moving around and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be looking for something. And then it centers on that thing that you're supposed to be looking for. You're like, oh, that's the thing we're supposed to be looking at. And none of the other stuff mattered. But it did in this case. Because she did appear in that video.
2: I just find it fascinating. All these people that are staring into these pictures before they knew that it was fake. No one also saw her. No one saw that there were two of her in the photograph. nobody for however long weeks that they were talking about this. Well, I
0: can't speak to the photograph because I didn't see her in the photograph. I only I saw her in the pictures that they took in the house. I saw her in the picture that they took in the backyard and I saw her in the video from the dam. I did not see her in the surveyor's picture, so I can't speak to that.
2: okay. Well, even about the the video that they took. Uh The whole reason they find out about him being there Mm -hmm. was because they had heard that, oh my gosh, the ghost picture that the surveyor took happened on the same day that we were there and filming. Let's watch our footage Mm -hmm. and see what we can find. Uh So they're looking fine tooth comb and they don't find her, but they find him?
0: Let's say... You have a haystack and somebody tells you that there is a golden needle in that haystack and you're like, oh man, that golden needle would be really cool if I could find that. And so you go digging through that haystack, just hay needle by hay needle until you find that actual golden needle. Ha ha, I found it! Look at this needle, everyone. I'm going to take it in. We're going to write a newspaper story about it. I'm going to be on the local news. I'm going to sell it and it's going to make me a lot of money. Then after the fact, you find out that there were actually two needles in that haystack. You're upset that they stopped looking after they found the first needle.
2: I don't know. I guess it just seems very beneficial to the film that they didn't. Yes. Now let's talk about the reveal at the end about her being a ghost. Okay. It makes me very angry because the way that they give the reveal is at the very end of the the documentary. And it is supposed to feel very shocking because they show you, hey, look, we found in all these pictures. There she is. There she is. Aren't we great? Aren't we cool? And it's like, yeah, that's fun. Did you tell the family or did you just want to tell the audience and not the fucking family that you just did an entire documentary about and watched them grieve the shit? You are all in you, front of them. You are
0: making a huge assumption and then getting angry at it. That huge assumption being that the family doesn't know. Plus, all, a lot of times... Documentaries will create their documentary and then maybe do follow-up stuff, and maybe not, and they'll maybe even show the subjects what the documentary is, but a lot of times participants in documentaries don't see the documentary until it comes out. Others do. You just assume that these guys are villains, found something, and then didn't tell them. Just because it's not in the documentary doesn't mean they're not told.
2: What I'm trying to say is, you love that this movie tries to be a real documentary and i'm here to say that i feel that if it was really trying to be a real documentary it would most certainly have shown that to them on camera because that would be an incredible moment for the camera for them to realize that she's there we could they could if it was a real documentary there that could lead to all kinds of other shit you could do séances um you could it, it, all kinds of shit but they don't want to deal with any of that They want to just have a really cool end reveal that does not fit in with the rest of the documentary.
0: And there are also scenarios where, like in, uh, let's say, Making a murder, which you refuse to watch, where they did a sequel documentary with all the extra stuff that happened. And that's a real life, actual documentary about real people and real things. It's not made up. And they did a sequel documentary after they found stuff out while ma- they made the existing documentary. Where's the first like one.
2: Where's like Mongo Two?
0: Does it exist? And apparently, not enough people watched it. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that. Oh, it's a setup for a sequel. I'm saying that sometimes things happen after a documentary is made, and it's a big revelation, and it's not included in the documentary. That happens in real life, so you can't complain that it's fake. Also, again, a big assumption that they never told them. And what if they told them and it, it was like, sh- or showed them, and it was like, oh my god, she was really there. We really did set her ghost free or whatever.
2: Except that they didn't. On top of the photograph, because mm-hmm. I've gone through all of my notes, on top of the photograph, the other reason that I certainly believe that she is still fucking there and they're just abandoning her is because and maybe the they end.
0: Are. And that's fucked. And that's the movie's fault?
2: I f- but I feel like the movie ends on like a, we get to be
0: free and she's just stuck in a prison. And maybe that's how ghosts are. Are you suggesting that if somebody dies, nobody can ever move again?
2: If you knew for certain that your daughter, mm-hmm. your teenage daughter died and was stuck in your house,
0: would you leave her? If she was stuck in the house. Let's say you're, you're an impartial observer. Well, let's not say an impartial observer, but you know something that the family doesn't know, which is that the ghost is always going to be there and it will be there forever. But this family that has struggled to get over the death of their child finally does and finds the strength and courage to move on. With their lives, you're going to tell them, no, you're not allowed to move on. You need to stay here because your daughter's ghost is here. You're never going to be able to interact with her. She'll never gain anything from these interactions. But I want you to feel so shitty that you never leave. That is not at all how I look at it. But that's what you're doing.
2: Well, but let me explain why I'm so positive that she is there. Okay. And then you can tell me if you feel the same way. Okay. So there's this weird, like, psychic therapist that we haven't talked about. That they bring into the house that had dealt with her in the past. Yeah. And that whole story
0: is very bizarre in itself. Oh, I like it.
2: Why would he not tell them?
0: He because explains explicitly why he didn't tell them.
2: Why? I don't
0: remember. He says, because that's my that's her business. And then she died, and I have no right. I had to make a decision one way or the other. I would have to either betray the trust of my currently existing clients, who are alive and well, or the dead client who can't consent.
1: Look, I don't think it was a case of hiding something from them. It was more that I was honoring Alice's request for confidentiality. But it was damned if you do, damned if you don't. You
0: know. I'm going to hold on to the trust of the dead client.
2: How did they find out again?
0: His card was in her journal that she found in that box that was in the, the Heidi place.
2: Yeah, so she goes to see him. Do we ever even really find out why?
0: In the first place? Yeah. Well, because he's kind of a local celebrity.
2: No, but she went to him as like a therapist situation. Yeah, well, because she
0: feels like death is following her.
2: Oh, okay. So it was... Right before her death. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So she goes to see him. I don't know if she's like describing a memory or a dream.
0: I don't think she knows.
2: Okay. But what we know as the audience Mm -hmm. is that she is describing her moments as. A ghost. A ghost. Yeah. And what they will show us is that she is in the room interacting with her mother at the same time that her mother is Uh, going into the bedroom to say goodbye to the bedroom.
0: I don't think that's what's happening there. The psychic dude, he takes you through a sort of hypnotism exercise where he's like, walk me through your house, give me a guided tour, tell me what you see. Both... The daughter and the mother went on this tour, and they both saw the other one while they were there. I think that the daughter, the mom that she saw that didn't realize that she was there, was the mom on the guided tour in her hypnotism, not when they're cleaning up the house and getting ready to leave.
2: So they just decided to splice those two shots together.
0: Yeah, well, because they're related. It's a similar thing. Oh, look, she's closing her door. This is a visual representation of exactly what the daughter was talking about. I think what's actually literally happening is in their spirit, mind, hypnotism moment, that's where the daughter is seeing the mother. The mother is in the room. These stories are being told, overlapping on top of each other. And then at the end we see the mother closing the door as a visual representation of what she described in her hypnotism set.
2: Yes, but think about what the daughter is saying. The daughter says, I'm standing there, but she doesn't see me. Mm -hmm. I don't think she knows I'm there. And the mother is saying, there's nothing there. It's empty. And I think we're supposed to understand because otherwise, this is extremely confusing.
0: So the mother is seeing the future. Yes. Okay. This is Chris from the future, editing the episode. And normally something like this I would just put on our Twitter, corrections and things like that, but this is actually pretty important. So I wanted to make sure I included it here. I believe, looking at it again, as I'm editing, that Kelsey is right about both things. That we do get proof that... Alice is left behind when the family leaves the home and that Alice is talking about her mom closing the door to her bedroom. That's the vision that she is seeing from the future. And that does change things, but I don't think it really changes what the movie has to say about tragedy and grief. It's just, it just adds to it and it makes the ending of the movie much more bleak. And I think that's what Kelsey is saying. That it's a pretty dour ending. If you want to know why I think that Kelsey is actually right, you can follow us on Twitter, at Pod Cemetery. I put everything up there, explanations and proof as to why I think Kelsey's actually right, after all, uh, and how that sort of changes my own perspective. So that's a thing we normally do. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll get to see a bunch of insights that don't make it into the episode that we come up with as we rewatch the movie in order to edit so check all that out at Pod Cemetery on Twitter. If that's the case, are you telling me you have a problem with tragic endings to horror stories? No, but that's
2: not the way that the movie the movie does not want you to feel tragic. The movie wants you to feel that the, she is they have moved on, the family is happy. Uh,
0: but the family has moved on and is happy that doesn't mean that it's not still a tragic ending. If what you're saying is the case, and the daughter is still there, but the family doesn't know about it, that's a tragic ending.
2: Well, not according to you, because according to you, everyone should just leave. Just say, fuck you, ghosts, and just check out, bye! I'm
0: saying move on. I'm saying that this family thinks they have closure, and under your understanding of how this movie ends, they actually don't. But they think they do, that's a real thing that can really happen. And I don't know why you're so frustrated about that. And if 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 anything, it just makes it more tragic, which you're totally into. I don't know why you don't like that.
2: Do you want to talk about the weird secret? Because I do not understand it. And I'm not trying to make it light of this. No, not at all. I just literally don't understand it. I don't know why she would have the videotape. I don't know... If it was consensual, I don't know if it was rape. I don't know if she was
0: coerced. There are a lot of questions without answers.
2: There aren't always any Exactly,
0: and you were totally fine with it in the last movie, but now suddenly they appear in this one, and especially in a format... Because
2: that one, that was the point... Whereas this one, the, at the end, the point is, no, she was a real ghost. And it's because they wanted that ending.
0: But they but that wanted that. the ending of the that. others is the same thing. The point is, oh, nope, she was the ghost all along. It doesn't mean that there aren't questions right, that don't have answers pa- elsewhere. Once
2: you're past that,
0: uh-huh.
2: there's more to it. The, they wanted to get that in the first time. And I already told you how much it made me hate it the first time. Yeah. Once you get past that, uh, there's more
0: to it. I see. I So you just need to watch this movie again.
2: I don't think now so. Now that
0: you know the context of what's really going on, you just need to watch it again.
2: I don't think so. I uh, don't yeah, think so. Yeah, I bet you
0: would have said so. that about the others the first time you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, as she's reviewing the footage that her son took, and she does see a figure in the daughter's bedroom, but it's not her son. It's not her daughter, it's their neighbor. And they had a neighbor couple who would like host pool parties for all the kids and everything like that. They interviewed some of the girls that would go to this pool party or whatever events. They were very sociable and Alice would babysit for them. What we find out is classic babysitter trope, but with a twist. Uh, They've been sleeping with her. At least once, but because there's only video footage, and we'll get we'll explain why we have that video footage in a second. Because there's video footage of only one event, that's the only one we can be sure about. We don't know because, again, Alice kept secrets, and she kept the fact that she kept secrets a secret. Just like Laura Palmer. Nobody knew anything else. That, that's That's fascinating to me. I didn't even think about that, by the way. I think that's remarkable that you brought that up. So we don't know the nature of the relationship. And June, the mom, specifically calls that out. She says...
5: It just left so many unanswered questions. Um, why was she involved with him? When did the relationship begin? Was she in love with either of them? I just don't know. There isn't always an answer for
0: everything. Was she being drugged? There is a conversation with a friend where at one point it might be completely unrelated. It might be having to do with how she had death looming over her, how she felt numb. You know, she couldn't move or something like that. So maybe, maybe she has been getting drugged. But the fact of the matter is that she has this tape now. You might be asking why. Why do you think Ellis had the tape?
1: No. Oh. Because she didn't want them to have it. is that? Didn't trust them anymore, I think.
0: Because she was ashamed, because she was embarrassed, because she didn't want them having leverage over her, and she would prefer to have leverage over them. And she didn't want anyone to know about it, but if it did come out, she wanted proof of what really happened. So she was holding on to this tape and keeping it secret. Which I don't think is beyond the realm of understanding. How we find this tape is that... June wanted to know why the neighbor was in there, and so she searched her daughter's room up and down and found a box that had several things in it, like her journal and, like, this videotape. And the videotape had the sex on it. Now, at the very least, it's statutory rape. So, like, these people did something very bad, and they had moved away in the meantime. In between when she died when he, and when he looked for the tape— And when the mom discovered what was going on. Well,
2: they ran.
0: Yes, exactly. We know they start an investigation, uh, a police investigation and all of that. And we know everyone now knows about this. June is comforted at least by the fact that they'll never be able to know that they're safe. That they might have felt comfort had they been able to find this tape and destroy it. But now they can never feel comfort. And that makes June feel good (laughs) and good. They shouldn't feel comfort. It was totally fucked what they did. Yep. And that's part of what at least June and her family thinks the ghost needed. The ghost needed this secret to be revealed and these people to be identified for doing something bad. That may or may not be the case depending on how the movie actually ends, whether Kelsey's right or not, that she's still there in the house.
2: And then we finally get to Lake Mungo, and it's like the least important
0: thing and I, I wrote down and and I'm going to have a an overarching thesis about this stuff that's not positive. but why Why was Lake Mungo an important place? <laughs>
2: Because she saw that she was going to die there and it doesn't make any fucking sense. So it was like a
0: class field trip where they (laughs) were going to camp at Lake Mungo or something like that. They were out there in the middle of the night and it rains. And she was first concerned by when she saw some video taken on like a flip phone or something of one of the girls that her daughter looked so – she wasn't happy.
2: Which I didn't think the video showed at all, but It does in a few
0: places, but it could just be the mom reading into things. She's not smiling well, and laughing along the way the other girls are.
2: Also, because when she came back, she acted like she didn't like she didn't want to talk about it, and she had lost her phone and stuff.
0: And a couple other things, right? Her phone and her bracelet. Her most
2: favorite bracelet. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: Or something like that. Um, and so, I, I forget how they find this footage from one of the girls. One
2: of the girls happened to grab her on her phone while, while filming other yes, shit. but I don't know
0: how they saw that footage. I'm sure they say, but I just can't remember.
2: Well, I think she asked them to look and see if they had any footage of her there. Got I don't it. know why specifically. Oh, because of the phone? She maybe she thought there would be something on the phone.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But what they what they see is what they catch briefly is that she's kneeled over in front of a tree and it looks like she's digging in the ground.
2: So they find it.
0: They drive out there to Lake Mungo at night because they don't want to be because they're celebrities now. They don't want anyone to see them so they go out there at night just like their daughter did and they find what was buried there
2: and they find the phone and the bracelet and the phone has video footage of her dead
0: she's walking through the dark in Lake Mungo and then there's a person walking towards her and as she approaches she freaks out and oh god that person is the dead body of herself She didn't quite understand what was going on, but she felt compelled to leave this there. She she just has this general feeling of dread that she's going to die. And
2: that's why she goes and sees the psychic uh, therapist. And she says to him, I feel like something bad is going to happen to me or that something bad has already happened to me.
0: The dad is the only one that's able to confirm that that was my daughter. And my wife couldn't fake it. Or whatever, whatever he's testifying to, he's like, "Now, I, 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 can confirm that that's her because I'm the one who saw her. I'm the one who identified her body when they pulled it out of the water." Uh, and it just kind of wraps up, and they're be, they're able to say, "Oh, okay, they're they they just wanted to chart a timeline of what was going on with their daughter leading up to her death. She was involved in an explicit affair." either voluntarily or not. Either way, she couldn't provide informed consent. That put her into a depression. She saw something that freaked her out and caused her to behave erratically and seek out the help of a psychic. And then she died. And we were able to uncover what her secrets were. And again, this is all just a manifestation of the living learning to... Get over their grief. Not get over it, but move beyond their grief. Survivors moving on. They think that they've done something to help their daughter, but that's not the important part. The important part is what they've really done is done something to help themselves move on and not be devastated for the rest of their lives. They will be forever changed and forever sad, but they'll, they're will they at least able to move on, and that is good for them. And they decide that they need to leave this house. Too bad they she to leave doesn't this get town, to. <laughs> and potentially leaving their daughter behind. But if they don't know that, who are we to tell them that they don't get to be happy? They don't get to move on. They should stay there for the rest of their lives. You know, I mean, if you knew a secret like that, oh, I know that your daughter is really there. And they've managed to move on when they never thought they would be able to. You would devastate them like that? I would want to know. I think at the very least there are people out there who would want that. And I want this family to be happy. I've come to care for this family. (laughs) And I want them to be happy. And I want them to move on. And I think this ghost daughter is going to be all emo for the rest of eternity, whether her family's there or not. She's gotten as much closure as she's going to get.
2: Probably. Probably.
0: I'm really surprised that you disliked this this much, because I really, really liked it. I do think, however, that they tried to do too much, that they introduced too many smaller elements that kind of go nowhere. I suppose you could argue that if they took all those elements out, everything would be too neat and too wrapped up in a nice little bow. But, you know, when you're investigating a mystery in real life, there are dead ends. There are things that go nowhere. So you could argue that. But yeah, they had a lot of concepts for things that they wanted to do and no real concern with whether it contributed to the film as a whole. And I say that's the biggest downside of this movie. But the way they pulled everything off is so fucking impressive to me. And they had me. They hooked me the entire time. And I probably would have been really annoyed if you spent the entire time we were watching the movie talking about all the things that made you mad.
2: I did write down at one point, I think this is too high production for a documentary, like it was, it felt like it was
0: really well shot They spend millions of dollars on documentaries and you know it, we've seen tons of them I
2: know, it just felt more like, it's funny, because there were things about it that did not make you feel like a movie But then there were elements of it that did feel like more more of a theatrical film.
0: Oh, well, they had, like, interstitial shots and cuts that they came back and filmed, you know. But documentaries do that all the time.
2: Agreed. But they aren't usually.
0: I don't know. You go back and watch that one about the Golden State. Killer or whatever he is, the one that we watched with... Um, it's
2: usually like time passage, you know? Like, you watch the, the clouds go across the sky. Yeah, if you want to be
0: really cliche, but... <laughs> well, know. most
2: documentaries, I mean, when it comes to those shots, they are not filmmakers. They're not trying to make a oh, movie. I disagree.
0: I really disagree. There are Oscars given out for documentary Yes,
2: Yes, for, for incredible documentary work, not yes. necessarily
0: productions yes if it it was just a series of interviews one after the other that would be boring as fuck and it wouldn't be winning an oscar but all the way back to like what is it thin blue line i've never seen that like they've been making documentaries that are that have interviews and are real life stories that have fictional film production in them uh, to make it look like it's a big deal to make it look like something you want to watch fucking gray gardens like there are tons of documentaries that that are out there that are high production value especially for the time that are are that use the tricks of fictional filmmaking to get your audience interested and engaged but the content itself is all real i think this is everything like that except the very end now the content's fake so yes I'm not going to reject the things that you didn't like about this I think they're totally reasonable but this movie had me and I didn't care about any of it I think it could be better I'm not going to give it a 100 or anything like that but I really liked it and I can almost guarantee that this is going to end up on our end of the year list for biggest differences between you and me
2: Okay, so what are you going to give? Well, it? what do you
0: think it has on Rotten Tomatoes first? There are 21 reviews, so there's no consensus, no metacritic, no cinema score. I'd
2: guess a 66.
0: 95.
2: Wow. Yep. Wow.
0: Overrated, you think it is? Huh?
2: Very. Very.
0: What would you give it? <sighs>
2: I'm going to give it a 63.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is definitely going to end up on the end of the year list. I can see that's a perfectly reasonable score. I'm going to give it a 90.
2: Just because it's a documentary horror movie? Are you serious?
0: You walked us through this entire movie from beginning to end, and you chose to make that journey all about the things that you didn't like. I liked... A lot of things about this movie. And so I spent the entire time just refuting the things that you didn't like.
2: Well, why don't you tell me some of the things you did like?
0: I loved the natural acting. I loved the way it felt like a real documentary, and it is baffling to me that you think it doesn't feel like a real documentary. I have seen tons and tons of documentaries, and if it wasn't for the fact that we saw all those real ghost things in the end, if it wasn't for the fact that that the convenience of finding the cell phone buried in the tree, uh, the fact that she went to... The The psychic guy beforehand and had already talked to him about she, how she feels like death is coming. If you had taken out those elements and told me this is a real story, I would have believed it. That's how good this movie is. That's how good a job they do at accomplishing what they set out to accomplish. And they fucking nailed it in that regard. And that makes me incredibly happy. Okay. And I would watch it again. I would watch it again tonight. Okay. That's how happy this movie made me. Wow. Yes.
2: So thanks, Peter.
0: Yeah. No, really. And I can't remember, Peter, if you did suggest it after I said I needed something like this or beforehand. But you either really delivered when I asked for it or you're just that prescient. But I thought this was a remarkable movie. And I think that if you're interested in the concept of a mockumentary but horror, if that interests you, see this movie. If you don't know if you'd like to see it or not, if you're not if you'd be interested in that or not, see this movie. <laughs> you know how we get people in our real lives asking us all the time, oh, you you do a, a horror movie podcast? What horror movie should I watch? I would put this on a list that people should watch it.
2: I don't consider it a horror movie. Why not? There wasn't anything scary about it. I mean, like that's a even, little subjective. I, what about it was scary? There's well, no saying, threat. No, no, There's
0: no. no, no... I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. That I thought it was scary. I didn't. I don't think it was scary. But I think horror movies are more than just. Scary. There are thrillers that are scary that I wouldn't call horror movies. What? For instance, I wouldn't call Eyes Wide Shut a horror movie, but when he goes into that session and they make him take off his mask and everyone's looking at him and you don't know what's going to happen, that's frightening.
2: All they do is tell him to get out.
0: Yeah, that's what ultimately happens. But what about all the horror movies where something scary happens and they survive? It's not a horror movie now because they survived? In the moment you're scared. That's why I think the fact that you say it wasn't scary to me is not enough for me to say that it's that it's not a horror movie.
2: Well, I mean, you disagree with me when I say that movies that have scary moments in them can't be considered horror well, movies. No, that's
0: my my exact point. Yes. Is that just having a scary moment in your movie does not a horror movie make. I'm saying I'm saying that there's a lot more to this. It is a ghost story. And, like, for instance, if you wanted to argue that we should watch Casper on this show as a kid's horror movie or whatever, I'd say okay. We're in a spooky mansion with a bunch of ghosts, but yes, it's fun, and you're never really scared.
2: So why don't we start watching A Christmas Carol every year? I think we could. Oh my god. That is not a horror story.
0: It's it like a proto-horror story. It absolutely is. Tell scary ghost stories. What is that from?
2: <laughs> and tales of the glories from
0: Oh, Christmas is long, 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 long ago. ago.
2: Which actually... Scary
0: ghost stories. That
2: was actually... Yeah. I used to always think that he was talking about a Christmas carol. Found out, no, that's just an old thing people used to do at Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> They used to tell ghost stories, and I'm like, damn it, why can't we do that shit?
0: (laughs) But anyway, yes, loved this movie. And I am not going to insist, nor do I want to insist, that you're wrong about any of this stuff. I think you're absolutely right. And it just hit you differently than it hit me. I think that's all that there is to it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think this might be a good movie to watch to decide what kind of horror movie fan you are. Maybe like just in general, just to like, this is a test. See if you watch this movie and see if you like it. I don't insist that you will like it. I don't insist that you should like it. Well, that is our haunting episode. Wait a
2: minute. Just what are you saying about me as a horror fan that I don't like this movie? Cuz you just said find mm-hmm. out what kind of a horror fan you are.
0: Yeah, you're the kind of fan who doesn't like something like this. Okay. That's all there is to it. I think it's it I think it's worth it's not the kind of movie that I'm recommending because I think everyone will like it. I think you should try it out to see if you do, because I think there is something very special here for a certain type of horror fan, and I don't think you're going to know ahead of time if you are that type of horror fan. I see. So just, like, watch it and find out. That is our ghost haunting episode on Coming Pod to Semetary. terms with death. Coming to terms with death and Week. grief. Yes, absolutely. What are we watching next, Kelsey?
2: It's Easter.
0: It is. And
2: we don't get to do April Fool's Day. There just
0: aren't a lot of April Fool's movies out there.
2: No, that's not the reason why. It's because they're on the same week. So we can't do both.
0: We had to pick one way or the other if we were going to do Easter or April Fool's. Let me just say, there are a lot more Easter movies out there than there are April Fool's movies. And we have been kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel when it came to April Fool's movies. (laughs) What are our Easter movies this year, Kelsey?
2: Bless the Child with Kim Basinger. Remember oh, that movie? No. Oh, I do.
0: I don't I don't remember that at all.
2: And a movie called Easter Bunny Kill Kill.
0: <laughs> Is that like faster pussycat kill kill?
2: Probably. It's apparently it's very gory.
0: Alright. What do you think our prospects are? On this week, Elsa, do you think they're going to be terrible?
2: I like Bless the Child.
0: I, I, I don't even remember it.
2: I mean, I, like I saw Basinger. it in theaters when it came out when I was, what, 11?
0: <laughs> so maybe it's not good. So this is late 90s?
2: Late, yeah, it's like 99, I
0: think. Uh, okay. And then Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Mm-hmm. All right. That is next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at pod cemetery and catch all the stuff that we think about uh, in the edit. So if we talk about any visual stuff or there's something we remember that we didn't talk about in the episode, we'll post it there on Twitter. So make sure you're following us there at pod cemetery, subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even better than that is sharing us with your friends and even better than that, is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
2: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
2: Death takes everything eventually. It's the meanest, dumbest machine there is, and it just keeps coming. And it doesn't care. I had a bunch of kids randomly log on to my drama class today that haven't logged on in a long time,
0: Uh like months, Uh
2: but they didn't come to the class. I don't know what that's
0: about. They I don't just know if, logged on in, in Canvas?
2: I don't know if people, like, if their parents kept getting emailed, so their parents finally were like, get on!
0: Yeah, but why did they all decide at the same time? Isn't it's that weird. weird? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a group that plays Fortnite together or something?
2: I know two of them are friends.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know Chase and all of his friends play um, Apex Legends. And, uh...
2: Well, they all talk on Discord.
0: Occasionally. Occasionally. I'll be on, and I'll see him on.
5: Yeah. And
0: it's like, well, I don't know what's going on with his classes right now. It may be lunch for him. I don't know. I don't see him all the time, but just, like, every once in a while, I'll see him on. It's like, hmm, interesting.
2: (laughs) I know my kids are...
0: I would be... Are you fucking kidding me? If I was a kid right now in this day and age and I had to take all my classes virtually, you better fucking believe I would just have it on right there.
2: That's exactly what they do. And I would
0: turn my camera off. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Cool. Totally. Absolutely.
2: Awesome. It's funny how clearly I remembered this movie because of how much I hated it.
0: I thought you were gonna say how clearly you remembered picking on the boy. Clearly, I remember picking on the boy.
2: <laughs>
0: Such a harmless little fuck, isn't it? Say, isn't it fuck?
2: Yes. Oh, but
0: he unleashed a lion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or we unleashed a lion. Yeah. <laughs> Good job with the Pearl Jam. <laughs>
2: They have Mrs. Sims, Mrs. Mims, Mills. Mrs. Mills.
0: <laughs> you say pianist. Yeah, it's pianist.
2: I've always been sold, told pianist.
0: Well, there's a there's a long running joke that pianist sounds like penis. That wouldn't be a joke if it didn't sound like penis.
2: But I'm not the only person who pronounces it that way. It's,
0: it's pianist.
2: Why do you think that you're right and I'm wrong?
0: Because literally every single time I've heard that word until you just pronounced it right now has been pianist.
2: Well, every time I've ever heard it, it's been (laughs) pianist.
0: I don't really care. I'm going to leave it in. I'm not telling you to correct yourself. I just thought I'd mention it because it was funny to me. I don't insist that you will like it. I don't insist that you should like it.
2: He thrusts his fists against against the the posts posts and and still still insists insists he he sees the ghosts.
0: ghosts. Why did you say that? (laughs) Because you kept saying insist. Oh, got it.
2: (laughs) It is so hot in here. It
0: is really hot in here.
2: You've never even heard of Bless the Child?
0: I'm sure I have. I'll probably be reminded of it when we go to watch it. I think it's my empathy bone, Kelsey. I think you and I both know that I have maybe too much empathy. (laughs) Empathy. I understand you do. I'm saying I have too much. <laughs>